Good day to all my creatives and welcome to another episode of Focus on Art. And good day to all my photographer friends out there. Hope you all are snap happy. Today, I have on the podcast a very interesting photographer. Actually, I can't call her a photographer. She is more of an artist and I guess that's part of photography. Yeah. But it's so interesting, and we're going to talk a bit about that. Her name is Sophia Taylor. So, Sophia, how 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 are you? How are you doing? I mean, what do people call you? Is it just Sophia, or they call you Sophie? What's the well? Honestly, name? I go by many names, but hello, thank you so much for having me part of your show. But Sophia, Sophie, Soph, whatever you feel like, I'll Soph. accept it. But my professional name is Sophia. That's okay. it. Under the artist name is Sophia, but personal, you could call me Soph, Sophie. Awesome. Awesome. That's yeah. good, man. So, look, I mean, a few things happen over time. First of all, again, I always tell persons where sometimes the guests I bring on, I know them personally. I know them professionally or I might know about them. And then some people would just like, you know, you have a very interesting story. We should take we should talk about it. And mm-hmm. I've known about you, I think, what, back in 2010, 2011. I'm not too sure. Somewhere around there. Yeah, uh, early two thousands, somewhere up in there, yeah. and again, being a photographer myself, I think we were part of uh, photographers of the Bahamas. Yes, that was like a decade ago. Yes, very long ago. Long, very long time. Ago. When I first started my career at fifteen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we, we had a lot of young persons, and you were one of them in there. And I watched your work change over the years. It's completely changed. It went one direction, then swayed the next, and now I think you kind of have some mix that is uniquely yours. Which is mm-hmm. quite interesting about that. Now, yes. let's talk about this this transition for a bit because I remember you were doing a lot of self portraits. I think yes. I don't know if it was wow. in your, your backyard or something. You were doing some wow. stuff in the bushes. <laughs> this is great because, like, honestly, you've literally been there from the beginning. So yeah, I mean, it, wow, this is great. Okay, but yes, I was. Um, that was a very hard time in my life. Mm. I just came back from college, a very horrible experience for me. Though wow. beautiful, very horrible. I, I, I became depressed. Wow. Um, it was a lot of things going on, but mostly because I was in the dark room, studying photography for two years straight in the dark room. And it was a lot of work wow. and in the dark. But I, I just connect with light, let's just say, or real experiences. So that plus other stuff at any rate. But it was it was a time where I came home. I knew I loved home, and I knew this is where I found myself. I knew this is where I am. Mm-hmm. Like, so I just became to the thing that I knew how to express myself, and that was photography. And that those self portraits kind of kept me alive, you know. Right. And it was like my self expression of my beauty, learning to love myself. Though at the time I didn't really understand the concepts, I was trying. That was like Sophie, like little Sophie trying to scream for herself. If right. that makes any sense. So how did that, because I always find that photography is a very emotional thing. And you yes. saying that you were in a dark place. I mean, if you don't mind sharing, like what, what, what got you there? How did it happen? Well, I was emotionally involved in something that I was premature, mm-hmm. I would say. Okay. And then also attached with my experience with my family. Quick background about me. I, I come from a very like strict Christian household. Okay. Um, both parents has, have always been strict, but like, if you know me, that is like the opposite of me. I'm so free. I'm an adventurer. I yeah, love to take risks. Exactly. I love to just explore and just live life. But my family, though they acknowledge 
nature and everything that I know to love, they've always been conservative and haven't really taken risks. And I I now acknowledge that was for survival, right? But anyway, the point is, I grew up in a very, um, well, at least I felt that way. I felt very constrained. So I then led rebellion, I'd say. And I rebelled. I did what I wanted. And that was at a time where I wasn't connected to God, I guess, because of the connection I had or my perception of God growing up because it was such an authoritative thing. Right. And I know many behaviors can relate to this as well. And the more and more I talk about it, the more I realize a lot of people have been going through this very same thing. It's Mm -hmm. not that your parents don't love you. I think it's more so just like the way they understood religion. Yeah. And the way God has been used, especially post-slavery and other things, as a form of authority. Yeah. And anyway, that was my own journey of my life. And um, I went to Costa Rica and I went to some family members that were extra strict, like the worst. (laughs) Like, you know, but they're beautiful people, right? But in terms of like living in that space, um, it was difficult. It was very difficult. And I had a hard time. I also went to an all Spanish school. Now, Spanish is my first language, but I also moved to the Bahamas when I was five because my father's Bahamian and I grew up here I learned English so my Spanish wasn't strong and um, going to all Spanish school man I had to do double the work because here I'm learning a photography which is technical Mm -hmm. and the things I was learning in Spanish I had no idea what it was in English (laughs) so anyway it was very it was a hard task for me and then the dark room I'm telling you it it really affected me there was a beautiful craft after like two years in this dark space doing endless hours with chemicals i was in there just for days i used to sleep in the dark room that's and not good at all <laughs> exactly the, like and there wasn't proper ventilation a friend uh, anyways but a part of it like my friend who stayed i eventually left but um a friend who stayed actually got cancer oh wow yes because i was being reckless honestly i was using my hands with the chemicals and eventually the country, because Costa Rica was going um, conservative with the green um, initiative, yeah. they banned the chemicals that I used for those years. <laughs> yes. So that told me like how strong that is, you know? Yeah. But anyway, that probably affected me mentally as well. And I just was in a very unexpressive place. Most of my art, my art from back then, all of my projects were dark, man. Yes, but they I were. Felt, yes. Like grim, but in a beautiful way, yeah. I'd say. And so that became kind of like my healing process, though it wasn't enough at the time because I was still drowning. It, it kind of is the narrative of who I am today, though. Because what I read, um, what I read through the images, right? Now that you mentioned it, like I said, they were a bit dark, not dark yes. as an exposure, but just the whole overall expression of it. Um, yes. But it seemed like you were have you had this connection with nature. Yes. So it's like you were you were in a forest, but you couldn't see the light through the through the leaves, you know, and you're yes. trying to find your way out. Um, yes. And I didn't want to really reach out because I'm like, I don't know if this girl is going to like cuss me out because I, like, <laughs> I see what I know because I, I really I really resonate with photos. You know, I yes. there's some images when emotion is attached to it, you can actually feel it. And um, yes. and this is one thing I try to tell a lot of persons I teach. I'm like, put your emotion into it. If you yes. if you feel happy, if you feel love, if you feel anger, it's going to show it, you yes. know. And I saw that, but I just I just didn't know if I could reach out, you know. Yes, and check this out. Um, 
I don't know if you think this way, but I'm a picture thinker. So mm-hmm. meaning all of my mind or thoughts are constructed in images. images. Yeah. And I've been like this since I was a child, but I actually had like reading problems and writing problems because I didn't know how to connect that visual with my voice. Right. So I struggled a lot and photography was my expression. Right. You know, that's how I started to take pictures. And I found that I could relay weight. Like everyone says a picture is a thousand words, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So I just used that craft as a form of expression. So that process of the self-portrait also was, like you say, that expression of how I was feeling in my mind. And yeah. it, was, it was almost soothing to just see the final product. Like I did it for other people, but it was like for me, you know? Right. Yeah. I know. I know and, to feel it. <laughs> yeah. But even with that expression, right? Because um, I know in high school how I got over that. I, if someone was talking to me, I couldn't understand what they were telling me. Mm-hmm. Even in, in class, I, I fell back, but I learned to, as people talk, build a picture upon it. Mm-hmm. So exactly. by doing that, I was able to pass a lot of my grades and, and get good grades in school because I had yeah. I had full movies in my head. Oh and, my, that's exactly me. Yeah. And whenever they asked me to do a test, I just played the movie back. Yes. You know? But I couldn't, you give me words, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I needed this. Exactly. If I couldn't see it, I couldn't do it. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's how I project my art, like physically as well, when I paint. I yeah. don't, I, no one taught me how to paint. Right. <laughs> but I project the vision that's so vivid and strong that I could see every color, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I trust me. Oh, that's good. Good to know because not many persons actually express that. You know, people don't really yes. like to, to talk about things that because they think they're weird or something. Yes, exactly. You know? But it, it's exactly. the more we talk about it, the more we realize that there are other people out there like us. There's exactly. nothing wrong with us. And it took me a while yes. to to accept that. I, I know for yourself, it probably was the same. Yeah. To accept that this is who I am. This is what happens. You know? And then what happened to me also with what was happening in my personal life within my family's construct. Yeah this visual thinking really just blocked me. I was a child that wanted to know why, but I was told because I told you so. Told that you wasn't so. enough. Yeah. I couldn't understand. My brain couldn't, it was dark. Yeah, I couldn't see, you know? So I ended up going out yeah. on my own. And I went through hell. When I tell you, I went through hell and back and only Jesus himself, like himself saved me. And that's my testimony because I went to like the pit and mm. back. Right. Full circle. I, I didn't believe in God. Mm-hmm. And my journey brought me right back into his hands, and it's almost as if he was been—he's been around me, and that's been nature, you know. Right. Exactly. And that's been his presence, and even just my—I don't know—just miracles, man, just miracles. Mm-hmm. Like if—if if I can say I've experienced miracles in my life, undeniably, I'm saying it because I've experienced so many miracles in my family's testimony and my own testimony. Pretty crazy. It's like a movie. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this is the thought of it, you know. Well, not here, but I mean, you already uh, talked about it on Facebook, which is why it, yeah. you kind of connected, uh, reconnected, I should say, about it. Yeah. Because I felt what you were saying, you know. Um, and I know depression is real. Um, so when I heard, again, people don't express this, right? Mm-hmm. I know sometimes, I'm just talking about me, I, I, and I'm going to bring it back to you, but. I know sometimes you you just get depressed. You just is a feeling of nothingness, you know. Yeah. And you're just in that space. You don't really I really realize why you're there. You're just there, and you know. Yes. For me, it comes and goes. But yes. Um, and I guess I could recognize that in other people because mm-hmm. it takes one to know one. 
So you yeah. can actually sometimes see it in people's eyes when they talk to certain people. I could tell that they're, they're there or they've been there or they're coming out of it because I've been there myself, you mm-hmm. know. And I think, um, I don't know if this is something for all artists. If mm-hmm. we go through this and we express it, we have to do something, you know, to, to get it out, get our express, express ourselves however we need to. But I don't, I don't know. That's, but it's good. It's good to talk about it and good to get it. Out, yes. You know, it's really and good. mind you, like, I, as an, like, um, 10 years later, or however many years of acknowledging adulthood, because it's also hard under this construct to gain independence. Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of things are, delayed it's, it's a fa- like i'm half costa rican so at home you like you stay with your family until you're married oh yeah so it's like very strict and uh, anyway i went through a lot but um i was depressed but i always knew that i wasn't like chemically imbalanced if that makes sense okay it um it was more so just i wasn't able to you were trapped fully express who i was at my core Right. And that is like an island girl adventure. I don't know. That's in my, it's in my genes. Like, you know, my grandfather was a fisherman. All right. And I had to fight to actually learn how to fish. Um, I was a girl, so I, that's not a thing in the culture. I was about to say, yep, that's not, that's not going to fly. <laughs> Daddy and my big brother went out fishing. I used to cry because I wasn't allowed to go. And I had to eventually like prove to him at like five years old. <laughs> And I wanted to go out and fish. I would, when he'd come back, when I wasn't allowed, I'd make, I'd watch him clean the fish. Yeah. Ask what gut is this or what's that with at five, you know? Right. So this is where I connected with life. I was intrigued about like these things of, of primitive life. Um, essentially, because, you know, that is, that is I at my core. At least that's who I, you know. It's interesting that you say at five years old, because that's the age where I- most children know who they are and what they want to do. Now, parents mm-hmm. don't always recognize it because they always have something already lined up for them. But you you have to actually, and I'm saying this because I'm watching my child. She's not five yet, but I know which direction mm-hmm. she's going in. And I, mm-hmm. I'm always telling my wife, you know, when she reached age five, when she reached age five, like, you know exactly what she wants to do. You know, mm-hmm. like, don't, don't hold her back. She's going to make her own decisions by that time. Mm-hmm. You know, experience it. And even if you look at, most people that we consider to be successful in the world, when you mm-hmm. when they tell their stories, their parents recognize. Like I used, I like to use the, the uh, example of um, uh, Tony Hawk. His parents yes. were so afraid because he was on a skateboard from since he was three. Yeah, and by five years old, he was doing tricks on the park that other um, kids couldn't do. But mm-hmm. they recognize that this is something that he he came. It just naturally came to him. It's God given. Exactly. So. The question I always tell my wife and I tell people, who are you to tell this child what God gave them this gift? Don't do that. Right. You know, you're, you're literally going against what God gave this child. You, yes. You just are steward of this child. So you need to mm-hmm. find the best way to let them express themselves. But yes. I, I understand what you're saying because family traditions and families, boy, they could they could kill a dream. Definitely. And mind you, like, it's not, it's not directly like that parable that I used. Mm-hmm. That was just like a brief example. It's not that I wanted to be a, a Spiro, but that is true. But it's like, I wanted to be free. You know right. what I mean? Right. And that's what, that's the freest. Like, if you want to know freedom, it's been my life at sea. I tell you that. Mm-hmm. I, I felt the most beautiful things that 
ever could imagine. Like I could die today and feel like fulfilled. The amount of beautiful things that God has for us to experience and that's nature. And the society now keeps us indoors, man. Oh yeah. This, this, this construct of life is broken. And that's why I feel like my testimony is important because um, who am I not to share this freedom, especially as the Hamans, we need to acknowledge what real life is, you know? Yeah. This is the, the, the promised land that we were destined. Like this is your birthplace. It's a kingdom the blessing and we know this but they're taking it away from us you know what i mean right there's a lot of things going on and i'm just um through acknowledging this like ultimate life which pretty much all it takes is owning a boat Mm -hmm. you can gain a different perspective in all oh my goodness so so let's talk about this for a second right because it's it's so weird um, I remember I, I hit you up like I remember a couple of years back because I saw you were doing your sparing stuff and I'm like, dude, I always wanted to do that, and mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted you to teach me. Now yes. life got in the way again, and I just couldn't get back to you. But it was yes. still it's still in the back of my mind. There's certain things I want to do in the water because I don't know what it is that calls me back to what I really like to see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, I, I guess it's the feeling of the water around you. Yeah, uh, like you say, that freedom is nothing you know holding you back. And then at the same I'm time, flying underwater, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and at the same time, it's that it's not something that you think of at the time, but knowing that, you know, this thing could kill you. Right. But yes. at the same time, you just know the power of the sea, the things that's in the sea, in the sea but exactly. then you just become come one with it. So I, I completely understand that. And that's what I'm, and that's God's natural order. Right. This is how I've seen it in, in the nature and out at sea. You have to obey the, the law of of God essentially, right? right? You can't control the variables. You have to become totally aware. So you can't go dive a hundred feet free diving, which means no oxygen tank, right. and disregard all safety or all surroundings. Like you have to use a seventh sense, like I'd say. Right. I, I can sense a shark and not even look mm. and see that it's there. <laughs> it's like a different it's a hunting it's a culture. It's like it's hard to explain and though anyone who's done the craft of free diving or spear fishing i'm 100 percent sure they can know what they're talking about you know you have to be so self-aware of your body that you have to know exactly when you have to tap out and go back up to the surface because guess what if you don't you're dead exactly every time so you really have to be a child of god in order to partake in this life and i i almost see it now that as the hain is especially now with everything that's going on if we get more people in the sea mm-hmm. you know there are more people experiencing this this culture and way of, way of life like that their ancestor probably did at some point fished speared or whatever else you know around the sea because we are people of the sea we seem to forget that we're islands um you know we're, we have to be survivors look what happened with hurricane dorian exactly at any moment this construct of life can boom disappear just like that and then you'll really have to survive you know and this primitive language not only could you be super happy but you could also um like because not only is it therapy mentally but physically spiritually like a 360 of, of healing it's and, have you yeah. there's a there's a show i'm trying to remember the name i think it's baku or something like that you know there's a people from thailand and he was talking mm-hmm. about this guy um it's actually it's a 
it's a dying i don't say sport it's a dying way of living these people mm-hmm. i think it's the baku people i think it is cuz i don't know why the word is still sticking in my head mm-hmm. and literally um this gentleman who they was following he is like third or fourth generation diver they just mm-hmm. dive for their food and fish and so on and so forth he can stay on the water as if he's walking like literally on land you know yes um his his hands and his feet actually are different than other persons i guess it, it's hard to change over time and yeah. his they said his spleen is enlarged his lung capacity is more than the average person mm-hmm. like he completely adapted to this way of living now yes. like you mentioned we in the bahamas and i always it always confused me how is it mm-hmm. that we are surrounded by water but we don't go into the water we don't we mm-hmm. don't fish we don't swim we don't dive we don't sail we don't do nothing mm-hmm. in the water you know in fact i i would say 80% or more bahamians cannot swim don't want to swim yeah but if we acknowledge the history of our country then you become aware in acknowledging what happened right. you know i understand what happened to my people mm-hmm. um i understand i could see it from the inception of of why we were even here right. to now yeah they didn't want us to they don't want us to know they don't want us to see they don't want us to thrive they don't want um freedom true freedom Right. Which is a mental construct at this point. But anyway, that's like a subtopic, right? <laughs> <laughs> Went into deep depths in that. But that's a true passion of mine. I want to commit my life to this. Right. And through my expression of art, it could be through my photography, through my testimony adventures. It could be through that. Or, you know, just uh, that's that's the journey I want to know. Let my people know, like. Yeah. We are water people. So let's talk yes. about the diving before we get back because mm-hmm. even now, okay, um I think I'm glad you brought that up because your artwork is is filled with a lot of blues inside of it. And mm-hmm. I notice even with your photography, um I don't know if you choose specific days or times a day, but it, it still has a strong blue um mm-hmm. uh, thing over it. I know you sometimes you shoot a lot on by the water. So diving, I guess the water is besides being in nature like the water calls you so yes. when you're out diving what tell us about that what do you go diving for where do you go diving who do you go diving with um i understand you already <laughs> mentioned your, your was your grandfather who was a a, a fisherman a fisherman yeah so we understand yeah that's in your blood that's in your genes so mm-hmm. what do you do how does this work so honestly it it became a thing where my free time in Nassau was adventuring. That's what I wanted to commit to. So okay. because I work for myself, mm-hmm. my free time eventually became every day. So um, about three years ago, I committed a whole year to fully like diving into the craft of spearfishing because I knew and I was taught by I wanted to go deep, like deep. So I um, I met a friend mm-hmm. who's now a brother and. We just went on an adventure. When I tell you adventure, every day we were out at sea or in the middle of the bush doing something like <laughs> the like coolest thing. We like it was a beautiful year of just pure bliss and adventure. I don't think I'm ever gonna experience something like that again just because of the time. Right. But what a time. Um anyway, so during that time, because I was spearing every day, I learned from like the master spiro. Like this this man is a legend he's uh he's a greek bahamian Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, because the Greek culture is close to the sea, when they came here and settled here, this particular family especially lived a life at sea. And, oh, my goodness, their story is amazing. But I eventually was there every day, and I went spearing. I learned. I developed my craft that I already knew. But the things I learned, priceless. And, anyway, I was at sea every day, you know, slaughtering fish. I know it sounds horrible, but we did it in a very um, respectful way as well. It was just a craft. Yeah. Like literally Lucayan life. So you just don't overly fish. You don't overly get greedy. You have to know like, okay, this is the fish that I'm going to um, hunt for. And even like pay respects when you, you know, kill the fish. Take a life. Or right. you just, it's, it's just like a very beautiful experience of hunting and gathering or just consumption, sustainable right. life. And that language was just so beautiful. I did it every day and I never got bored because every day was a new adventure. Yeah. And at that time, life was very real and very constant because everything was a adventure, you know, unpredictable. One day you'll see the biggest shark of your life pop up <laughs> next to you. And, um, that, yeah, that, that happened. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, that reminds me, um, like I said, it was a time when I really liked the water. Like when I used to get off from work, I used to go straight to the beach. And I remember one time I was on uh, Goodman's Bay Beach. I saw this mm-hmm. old man sitting on the beach, just chilling out. I walked mm-hmm. past him and I was just looking around, <clears throat> came back. He was still there, but he mm-hmm. had this line. So I'm like, what are you doing? He said, man, I'm fishing. So I'm like, what do you mean you fishing? <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm fishing. I said, well, how you could fish on the shore? <laughs> you know, so I sat down and we had, he told me a lot of stories. And over time, I I came out with him. This technique I did not know growing up. I've never seen it. I don't know if it's something that you may know, but I've never seen this, this mm-hmm. technique. But a lot of people seem to know about it. He would come out on the beach, right? He he has a homemade net, showed me how to make the net. And he would catch mm-hmm. these little small minnows or whatever they are in the morning. Mm-hmm. And he used them for bait. So yes. he would take his fishing line, tie it onto a rope on a little stick, stick it in the sand, and he would swim yeah. out. And he has like yeah. about four or five hooks on it with bait it. Mm-hmm. And he would just drop it so, you know, however far out, swim back in and just wait. And mm-hmm. when he pulled that in, <laughs> fish on. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this, you need to teach this to someone, you know? Yeah. That's what I grew up on. <laughs> that That's is amazing. amazing. I found that amazing. Again, Yes. Um, now I grew up fishing from the rock. My dad, you call it fishing. My dad showed me how to fish from the mm-hmm. rock. You know, you go there, there the Wilson curves or whatever, put it on your on your hook and you throw it out. And yeah, I knew that. Yeah. But from the sandy shore, I that was like new to me. Yes. And yeah, things I just need to be taught because as you mentioned, when when life threw your curveball and you to the point whereas you need to go find food, you know, mm-hmm. like you could still survive. Yes. You know, and even navigation and all that stuff. Oh yeah, just total awareness. Yeah, you'd be surprised when people don't even know where East is. I'm mean, like, dude, exactly. did, did you know where the sun rises today? Exactly. <laughs> and simple things like that are so important. Yeah. Wow, that is interesting. So, mm-hmm. are you are you considering ever teaching your 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 craft to other people? Yes, I actually have two apprentices currently. Awesome. Awesome. And. It's been a reward. I've been very, because I wanted to make sure I was a master. Right. I'm not saying I'm a master. Not, I mean, I am, but like, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing. You know, right. I, I felt weird teaching something, something that I'm still learning. Yeah. So after now about 
I'd say nine to 10 years. And mm. especially that full year of, I like, I have pending world records and stuff. Awesome. At this point, I felt comfortable enough to teach somebody also just because I want to teach somebody what I know, because I know this information is valuable. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that this person can then teach somebody else and carry it on to his children and whoever else. Um, and I'm also documenting the process. Good. And sharing it. This is good. So, so yeah. Would you take on more more apprentices like throughout the year, or is it just that you want to stick with two? How long does this take? Um, you work on their pace honestly, or yours? It just depends on my schedule. Obviously, you know I'm a photographer, and yeah. it can get really busy. So only because of quarantine now, I've been able to consistently go back in the water. Mm-hmm. So much so, I have a double ear infection from twisting and turning up in the water trying to get some crawfish out of rock. <laughs> but I got a monster, by the way. But <laughs> um, yeah. I've had time now, and it's also been during a time where I've physically liberated myself, I'd say, as well, and mentally. Mm-hmm. So everything, timing, has been really great for me um, recently. But yeah, I, I, it depends on my schedule. Yeah. Um, but I would like to teach more people. And I, I was thinking, at least if I don't have the time to do personal one-on-one, I could at least do an online virtual or something, just right. like uh, content, you know? Makes sense. That makes sense. At least get people started with something. That makes sense. Yes. So the goal would be to personally have multiple people. Yes. So how now, before I talk about your, your painting, because um, like I said, it's been a while since I've, I've seen your work and I actually remember your show at Dongalik. Yes. That was the first time I physically met you. Yeah. And it was like in passing because you were busy doing something else. I was like, Hey, I just came out to, to show my, my, my support. And Thank um, you so much. and it was pretty good. Actually, the weird thing was, I took I took your sister for you. <laughs> I, I ran into her first. Ah, like, uh, yeah. I'm like, are you Sophie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, no, <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. But I remember <laughs> that. Um, it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. You had some. I remember in the back room, you had like some video thing going on. Um, in the back area. Yes, um, I was 15 at the time. No, I, or maybe 16. Something ridiculously young. <laughs> Somewhere around that. But so yeah. I think you were walking around taking pictures as well. Yes. So probably yes, knowing me. That's the yeah, that was the thing. I think that's what it was. So so we didn't uh-huh. really get to chat that much. But even yeah. then I found it quite interesting that you know you were put, pushing out your work at that time. Um mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't do. And again, mm-hmm. this is the mark where you realize that sometimes you have to step out and say, you know what, show the world what I've done. Yes. And that's what you did. So how was that trying to get if you can remember? How was it trying to get that off the ground? How how did that go? Um, because okay, so quick background: I did the IB Baccalaureate, and it's like an intensive high school program where you spend two years doing essentially college work. Mm-hmm. And I did a higher level course in art, and that required us to do in a year twelve different projects or art pieces and document the whole process and. It was just a lot of work within the art world. So okay. I got a lot of experience in expressing and communicating my words with thoughts. You have to document every process. So pretty much saying that by the end of the experience, I was prepped for an art show, you know, okay. I, <laughs> but nothing like I knew what it took to do that. I guess also I've been so blessed to go to a school that structured you for these type of things. Yeah. Um, that definitely has been a blessing. And though it was daunting though, because, you know, my work was a personal thing, I'd say. It was also liberating because then 
I guess then I wasn't that confident, though I knew I was good. I wasn't that confident because I knew I could be better. Right. Like my, it wasn't only today. This is a new revelation or just like an experience of my craft. Only today I can say that when I take a photo and I edit it and the final product is exactly almost like the closest thing where I envision, like my, my visions. Right. Back then I wasn't getting the right feel. Like I, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to express, but though it was beautiful, it ga- helped gain my confidence and acknowledge that people did connect with it and it helped boost my confidence as an artist and i was ready to just take on the world after that and that's usually a part of photography like there's a point where i i and i always tell a person this look here okay your your best photo is the one you're going to take tomorrow because mm-hmm. most often you're going to take a shot and you're just not going to like it but that's just a part of the process the whole idea is don't feel ashamed just just Put it out there, you know, and that helps you, I found, to move ahead. Yes. You know, it helps you to see, okay, this is what I did at that point. I've learned something since then. So what would I do different? And then you make that change and this is how your work mm-hmm. evolves. This is how it grows. Yes. So, and at that point, I learned how to sell artwork as well. Yeah. that process. Which learned, is a technique. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And just even like, like knowing pricing or just knowing sizing. It really set me up for my professional life right. as an artist. And that's that's well, a portion that I know a lot of persons don't really pay attention to. They they like to shoot. Yeah. But look I mean, at, today to this day I'm still learning, you know. Right. So it's 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 a because the environment changes, but it's it's yeah, it's a process. Definitely. definitely. But it's still, okay. So let's talk about the business side for a second, because I uh, this yeah. is something that. Very few people that I've ran into. I know a few persons who who got it down pack. I, I know a lot of photographers mm-hmm. who like to shoot, but they don't look at the business side. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned a few things because one, you have to know your pricing. What is your mm-hmm. your work worth? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just like a regular business where you may keystone a product and say, "Okay, I made it for this, and we double it, mm-hmm. and that's the price." Because it has a value attached to it, mm-hmm. especially when that motion is put into it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you capture something that's never going to be seen again. So even with that, and then as you mentioned, understanding sizing of photos, you know, um, Mm -hmm. understanding what size goes well, what the market really wants, what are they willing to pay for, and finding Mm -hmm. that balance between um, this is going to be super expensive or this is going to be affordable for the market that I'm targeting. Easily accessible. Yes. (laughs) Yet exclusive. Um, So even with your, your regular portrait photography or commercial work that you may do, like, yes. how do you, I don't want to, 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 to divulge any secrets, but <laughs> how was your process? You felt it was an easy process in, in coming up with your pricing and your, your, your overall branding. How was that for you? Honestly, since I was a little girl, I was a businesswoman. Awesome. I guess I get that from my Grammy, okay. but I, I already knew how to price. I was, I used to sell bracelets in high school. Like I used to make bracelets and sell them to people in my, like I used to just do things to gain freedoms right but anyway i by that time i already kind of knew how to structure a company because of my education as well but because of my personal experience in flipping or selling or or understanding value of art or value of time and effort uh, you have to be fair with these things you have to be ethical but you also have to be fair within yourself mm-hmm. so i've always been reasonable with my prices i'd say though um, of recent times when i've gone in in the more commercial world I've realized it's a cutthroat thing and you just really have to be very sturdy. Um, you know, 
or else people would take advantage of you. So I really had to learn how to properly structure myself within like the different fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've managed, not, I'm not perfect, but you know, I recently got an assistant that's helped a lot. It's, 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 it's about understanding the company structure mm-hmm. and then understanding that you're also an artist. So people expect me to like throw up photos right away, right? you know, but I'm literally painting every single photo I touch with my hands, essentially. Right. You know, the editing process for me is also a big portion. And it's also, I have to be mentally healthy for that too, right? <laughs> I have to love what I do. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I'm laughing at that because um, I've been trying to find a way to express this to the to non-artists for a yeah. while to, to realize that. Let me... Um, in fact, <laughs> so much things are going through my mind right now. <laughs> I've had conversations with photographers first, and they, when they try to explain or justify their pricing, they like to throw in, oh, my gear costs this, my that. I'm like, dude, mm. dude, so your time is worth nothing? Yeah, you... my time is everything. <laughs> exactly. I spend hours and days working. I don't slump. Exactly. So yeah. I always tell clients, say, look here, you're going to spend an hour, maybe an hour and a half with me, or depending on what it is. A half an hour to an hour, hour and a half. But mm-hmm. I'm going to spend another four, six, five, ten, twenty hours yeah. editing, getting your images ready, getting them ready to a point yes. where you can print to whatever size you want to do. You can do whatever you want to do with these images. That's where the magic comes in. And then you in. still have to maintain the style and the look that they yes. want and expectations. Like you have to be so adaptive. Like if the weather sucks or I don't know, this is more so, I guess, the pressures of commercial world. But mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a process, man. It's it's so many other factors that are behind the scenes that people don't really see. Exactly. And this actually led to my health issues this mm-hmm. year. My liver was failing because I wasn't sleeping, and I wanted to. I needed to stay up to finish my work, and I was drinking like three monsters a day. Oh wow! The most irresponsible thing I could have ever done, and it was the only thing that kept me up. And I wouldn't sleep, and I would work, 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 work all night, and my liver ended up failing. Mm. This and I got price. to a point in my, like the top of my career, you know, where I had to be like, okay, wait. <laughs> so if you have a boss, you know, I got, that's where I gained most of my weight. I, I felt the extra weight on me. I was very uncomfortable. My right. knees were aching. Yes. I've had past injuries on my knees. I used to be on the national soccer team and I wrecked my knees mm. at a very young age. I've had five surgeries, but anyways, this affects me today. I have arthritis. So I was heavy working. <laughs> And heavy slung it and <laughs> life hit me in the face, man. So, um, yeah, I had to like regress on the business commitment and try to really find the structure. The structure is what they don't teach you, you know? Yes. And that's the next step to business. But I'm, I'm, yes, I try to, cause I have some, uh, some persons I've trained and I took them a little bit further and mm-hmm. like I mentioned, they're so caught up on the shooting. And I'm like, you realize mm-hmm. pressing that button on that, that button on that camera counts for about 5% of the whole photography business. Yes. So. And even that's a lot. Exactly. Sometimes, sometimes I go, <laughs> I, like, if, they, if you know me, I'm the one who goes like head deep in the water, upside down, like risking yeah. my life. Exactly. For my you point. your photo. <laughs> so you know? if that's just 5%, what do you think the other 95 is? You think that's going to be a yeah. walk in the park? <laughs> Yes. But I feel you on that because that same thing happened to me. I put on a ton of weight because I was sitting down in front of the computer editing yes. for hours on end. And you're eating and you're drinking, you're back. And then you realize, wait, why, when the rain comes, why is my knee hurting again? 
Yes. Then you step on that scale, be like, what the hell just happened? Exactly. You sacrifice a lot for this, you know? Yes. So as you mentioned, that structure has to come. You have to now, I had to really redevelop my entire business, my whole photography business. Yes. So that I needed time for me. Exactly. You it's know? very important, honestly. Yeah. So I feeling you. I'm trust me, I'm feeling you on that all the way. Yeah. It's even worse. I wouldn't say worse for me, but in my respect, I have a wife uh-huh. and a daughter. So, wow, yeah. Ooh. And you know, the weekends is when all the weddings and everybody when you get Ooh. this and that. I'm not I'm not home with my family. Yeah. So what? that's a commitment, man. There we go. We had to rebuild. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. And that's mm-hmm. something that and that's something that I talk to because I've moved now into commercial photography. Um, yeah. So I stepped away from like the weddings because that was just taking way too much of my time. Uh, the money is good, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sacrifice my health for it anymore. Yes. You know, sometimes you have to make that decision uh, along. And the then way. the emotional part about it and, too, I feel oh, like is a lot. Man, that's very stressful, you know. <laughs> it is, <laughs> and it's like you have their lives in your hands. Yes. Man. The way they come to you, like I mean, obviously, but like I don't know, <laughs> I've had some horrible bride dillas. <laughs> What's the worst one? Tell me a story. If, without calling names, without not giving no clues, give me your worst oh, man. story. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to have to pass on the worst one. But okay. I'm going to go on to the second worst because it'll be evident. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was in a situation where my dress caught on fire. Because <laughs> I was walking back in a candle on the floor and my dress caught on fire and I guess I missed a certain moment. Uh-huh. And I, the person wasn't pleased at all. Didn't give me any mercy. You almost, you almost got third almost degree burnt. Yeah, I almost dead. I, my hairs in the back of my leg burned off. <laughs> oh, but no, you, you did not get the shot. I wanted that yeah. shot. Yeah. Ah, oh, lord, stress. Yeah, but, but I, but I understand the pressure because this is a one time moment. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm not ignorant. I understand. Right. But like you know, there's there's levels, and then. I don't know. It's just too much pressure for me. <laughs> I do small elopes or weddings, small mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. So that's where you can really do the art part. Yes. But the full day thing, I can't do. I understand that. Because I did the same thing. I went from those big weddings and they dropped down to like, how much persons you have? Oh, I have eight. No, but look here, six. No, more than six. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're more than that, you got to go to someone else. I'm not taking it on. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of pressure. People don't realize that. Like you said, it's you can't call these people back and say, hey, let's do this over again. Exactly. You know? You, sometimes you, it's a technical error. I was about like, to say there's that. There's so much going on if you're manually exposing or whatever. Like, exactly. It could be a slip up where you overexpose or, or and that, I don't know what happens. Your flash freaks out or I don't know. There's so many technical things that you're out of control that depend on the timing. Yes. And it's a live event too. So it's not like you say, run that back. Exactly. They cut, cut. Let's do the kiss again. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. I also did a lot of media work. Okay, where it was the same thing. So press conferences, mm-hmm. events where people are performing. You really have one chance to take the shot. Yeah. But that also helped my like. I did adventure. Like I used to be ducking, <laughs> like jumping up on things trying to get the shot. Like I really experienced. I, that was a fun experience. When I worked for Bahamas Local. Yeah, I was at every event, and anyways. <laughs> I learned a whole other language of photography. I, I was at um, at the IAAF as one of the official photographers. Mm-hmm. Were you there? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I I think so because I know I work with Gildan a few times. You know he's more of a sports person, so I work okay, with him yes. a lot. But I I didn't know that world. I ended up running onto the field with the rest of them during a live take of a world record, Ugh. and we got in so much trouble by the Ugh. by the officials. Yeah, they cussed us out because we went on live TV <laughs> <laughs> on the field. <laughs> but it's things that you learn. You know, I had yeah. no idea. And that's the thing, you know. In. I mean, there. are... How can I put this? One thing I, I always try to do before I do anything new, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like let's, let's just take weddings for example. Mm-hmm. Before I come to that church, I usually like to talk to the pastor. What can mm-hmm. and can I do? Because I I've got I'm not going to call the church name, but I literally this woman just didn't curse me out. I mean, like, she didn't use a curse word. That's the only thing she didn't do. It was a female pastor, wow. and man, she let me have it. She let me have it. I wow. didn't know I was not supposed to step up on a certain place. It was no barricades yeah. there. It was nothing to say, yeah. don't go. And I yeah. didn't know because I wasn't familiar with that religion. Mm-hmm. And man, I just put my foot on it. That's all I did. That's all I did. I didn't like went up. I just put my foot up just to lean. Yeah. Boy, she let me have it. So, wow, yeah. yeah, like, come on, man, in front of people, like, this is how you got to carry <laughs> on? Like, <why> you... <laughs> yeah. I didn't regret it because I got a crazy shot. That was a lifetime moment. <laughs> that's, all it, that's all it matters. How's the shot? Did the shot it was come the same again? boat, like, <laughs> world record. Yeah. You can't beat that. So yeah. I get why they also did that, too. Yeah. I, I understand. The shot is everything. It's a priceless moment. You can't ever get that get again. That back, exactly. That, that time that's is done. That's the part of the craft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's beautiful. Get the shot. But yeah, a lot of persons. I, Go ahead. Sorry. You know, um, there's like different types of photography because then in the like beauty world or the fashion world or the commercial world is where you get to like kind of make up things in a way. Yeah. Yeah. More influence of the, the, the scenery or timing or mm-hmm. the beauty or, you know? Yeah. So I like both things. I like capturing raw moments, but I also like structuring um, moments. I've tried that fashion thing. That's just not for me. I just was not mm-hmm. working out for me. Yeah, it honestly, it's it's a, you have to have that certain yeah, like yeah. That wasn't for me, man. Yeah. But that's the part of photography that people don't talk about. They they see the work and they don't know what it took to get it. Especially like you mentioned in journalism, because um, I've had mm-hmm. a couple of jobs sort of like that, and you had to get the shot. You know, yes. um, I remember when I was working with over PI, uh, mm-hmm. and they were paying big bucks. But you mm-hmm. had to get shots. Yeah. You know? So like you say, you were like like trying to get in front of this person, crawling your people's legs again. It's like, yeah. like, what is this I'm doing? <laughs> yes. Let me, that's what happened when I took pictures of Meek Mill. Mm-hmm. I knew I had to get those shots. I was out like in the middle of the racetrack with 3,000 people the first day of like the first case of Corona. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. <laughs> but anyway, I was out there. I jumped on the back of a uh, a, a quad. With my sister, she had my professional lights, and I just like did their whole shoot for them. <laughs> I was shooting in the back of the ATV, like, and Meek Mill. They were so like wowed that they were like, "Come back tomorrow, like, <laughs> we want you on this team." Because I know what that was, but that was solid. Like yeah. that's pretty much. But it's about risk taking, and this is also where my adventure side comes in. Right. So this is why I love this this art. I love this craft because. It's also a physical thing. You know, you have to be there in the moment to also capture it. Right. So, so if, be, if I want to take a crazy shot on some cliff, I have to be on that cliff. Yeah, you have to be there. That's how you have to get it done. Yeah. So yeah. even with that, right, because um, understanding how your brain works, if you see mm-hmm. a shot, do you see a shot? I, I, I call it that that five-second-in-the-future rule. Like, 
yeah. you see it's coming. So you position yourself for it. Yes. Okay. Because a lot of people apparently can't do that. <laughs> I honestly do like way. I can do way ahead as well. Right. I can even project like entire future. I mean, I don't know. That sounds weird, right? <laughs> but that's vision thinking. Yeah. You know, if you have a purpose and you have a vision, I can project this into this is what I did for my healing. So when I see Sophia, I see. I've slowly been morphing into the person that I envisioned. Right. That same little girl that I saw and knew who I was when I was five. Mm-hmm. The timing, oh my goodness, is so beautiful. Like just the healing and everything through my art and through my experiences. And it's just been like vision thinking. Right. Vision guidance, purpose living. Um, and that's all God has led me in my path to discover. So... All right, just to go a little bit, not to call bring in metaphysics or anything like that, but it's more yeah. of you're on one path, but you're mm-hmm. where you are is on a different path. You can yes. see that person, and you're just trying yes. to find the right route to get to that yes. person. Yeah. That's exactly what I've been talking about all your yeah. pathways. Yeah, that's the thing. And I relate it also to just being a child of God. Mm-hmm. Being under the construct of making the right decisions in all aspects of life, mm-hmm. you know, up to your health issues. Like you have to choose not to eat certain things to save your life. Right. You know, um, it, it is the same concept that you learn, particularly in free diving. You can apply it to every aspect of your life and succeed. Um, you have to project confidence and project reality. Um now, that's a strong word to use, and I um, the word confidence. And let me say why I said mm-hmm. that, right? Um, to this date, I, I probably trained about 200 different new photographers. A few mm-hmm. stuck with me. Wow. Like I say, we talk, we, we, we tried, I try to build them a lot more. Mm-hmm. And I remember one class we had, we were outdoors, we were shooting at um, Bahama, had models and everything. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see how they perform under pressure. Mm-hmm. So, because I was teaching them certain techniques and not like, you know what, here's the basics, get the basics always, yeah. then become creative so that if yes. the creative doesn't work, you have the basics that you can still use. Mm-hmm. And I said, what if your wedding runs late? Now they're here, but they still have another engagement that the taxi mm-hmm. drivers or whoever the driving the car is like, look here, y'all time about the up. You yeah. literally got 20 minutes. What are you going to do? And that was the whole, that's the thing. I wanted to see how people do that and how do they get Yes. Them, you know, that's a very good point because that's pretty much my whole life as a photographer. <laughs> you you can't have a plan. You really cannot have a, you could have a vision, but to get this stuff might not line up. The, exactly. the sun might be covered. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. So many different factors. Your model isn't doing what you thought they would. I don't know. And There's even, so many different factors that you can't necessarily control and you have to adapt. Right. Even let's say with families, when kids are, like you have to be a sociable person as well. So that's another aspect. You know, I've always been very personable with my clients and Good. make them feel comfortable and, and just have a great experience in general. Because I've seen people be so cold. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. How can you just go out there and be like, all right, go take pictures. Line up. <laughs> but how is that a thing? I've actually witnessed this before. And I was like, what? Like. You know, it's about making people feel comfortable. I don't think I've ever been in a shoot and not been able to, like, get through to, the, to my people, to my clients. But, you know, that uh, that skill right there, which is another thing that I try to teach people, like, yes. um, how do you connect with someone? How do mm-hmm. you, first of all, because I, 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 seriously, I broke this down to the point of understanding body language. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Work. That's it. Oh, that's all it is. And work yep. with that. Yeah. And, and like you have to, and exactly body language relays energies. Yes. And then obviously it's, um, I learned that having a previous consultation also helps a whole lot. Um, it helps also the vision. You understand the person a little better. Yeah. Sometimes I get the shyest people at first, but when they're finished, they're like, woo, that was the best. Exactly. Like, it's in my life. And you just <laughs> see people have, a, and I, but I realize it's not even their fault because people have traumatic experiences yeah. <laughs> with photographers, man. You know, I, I met this lady. She was an older lady. She was probably in her late 50s, uh, early 60s. And mm-hmm. I couldn't, I trying to figure out why this woman wasn't smiling. She was at a group with our friends. So I pulled her on the mm-hmm. side. We had a little chat. You know, she told me. A photographer mm. once told her one side of her face was ugly. Mm, I'm like, wow, you need to go back and slap that dude in his face. See? So here it is. It took me a while to take her her mind off of that because every time I put that camera to her, she mm-hmm. felt as if she was ugly. Exactly. Man, messed that girl right up. But I, wow, like you see? mentioned, t- just understand what was going on, pull her on the side, change her mindset, threw her back yeah. in, and my totally different person. Totally yeah. different person. And I'll make a fool of myself. I don't care. That's like, what you have to I, do. Yeah. I And it's my genuine self. Like, if you know me separately, that's who I am as a person. I do that with all my friends. Yeah. I, I, I can get along with pretty much anybody. Right. Um, but I also have self-respect and stuff. So, but it just becomes authentic. Like, authentic. I, I'm an authentic person. I, I don't do fake. I don't do... I don't know. It's hard to explain, but... But, yeah. Because I've seen persons, right? Everyone have their own technique. For me, yeah. because I I read a lot. So I read a lot of different things. I read a lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of different stuff. So mm-hmm. I try to find what they're interested in. And chances are I know something about it. And that yeah. become our conversation. I find a topic that yes, they like. exactly. And that's what we talk. And I get that smile. Exactly. I get that. Where are you from? Or, yeah, you, you know, know. What's your story? What, what the, and that I, I learned that a lot when I started taking a lot of, like, foreign clients. Yeah travelers who contact me they want pictures of their vacation oh, or yeah. engagement or whatever else you better know something you about that country people i've had clients from dubai i've had clients from south africa i've had all over the world right i even had celebrity clients and that's a whole other like you know that's a different level altogether yeah you have yeah. to act a certain way you yeah. have to be confident you can't yeah. be slunken i could be starstruck but like am i going to be you can't exactly. <laughs> you know <laughs> you have to just be real and they they'll appreciate that way more did, did they have... I can acknowledge right now, Meek Mill. Uh huh. He's a great guy. Like, right. We had an authentic experience. He really, yeah, that was a, a good time in my career. Have you ever had the the celebrities where you had to sign a contract? I mean, a contract um, that they bring in that no. you can't you can't do certain image, you can't post different things. You're... Yeah. So we had a verbal con- like I've had verbal contracts. Okay, so out of okay. respect thing, I I've said like I will post. You know, so it's kind of that type of relationship because okay. it's still. Yeah, and I guess that's the trust that we yeah. I get with my clients, yeah. or you know. So, but it, I I could see where in scenarios in the future I may have to do that. Yeah, trust me, they, they will come. There's even one I yeah. did where they took the card. Like we, I'd agree that you know I'm just going to shoot. I didn't. Oh wow! They took the card, and when I came back, I had to edit at their hotel. It was wow, that serious. Gee? I still can't even talk about it. I can't even call who the person name is. It was that secretive. Okay. Yeah, see, I'm into that. My, like, <laughs> I'm into that. But that pay, look, yeah, that pay was wanna, good. That yeah. pay was good. For me, it's always like, yeah, I guess, yeah, I've never approached celebrities from a, like, it's professional, but not at that level. 
right. more like a relationship level. Okay, okay. Yeah. But if you're shooting long enough, you'll come across it. Yes, of course. <laughs> come across it. Awesome. And I have done that with other clients in, co- in corporate world. Good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I Oh, jeez. I can tell you stories. Yeah. Corporate is something totally different. Oh, man. Yes. So how does this all now, because we got your photography, we get where you get your emotion from and how you deal with your clients. Now, where did the painting come from? Um, I know persons usually move from painting to photography, but to go from <laughs> photography to painting, I think you're the second person I know that, that, that did this. So how did you get into painting? Was that something that was also there well, for a long time? Actually, yeah. I, um, my school is a beautiful experience. So they've always immersed us in art and mm. it runs in my family. All of my siblings, we've always been athletes, artists, musicians. Okay. And this goes in all my mom's side. We're all like, I have famous cousins who are musicians, um, famous writers and doctors. And, and it just, it's a beautiful story. But anyway, we all have this natural ability to do art for whatever reason. <laughs> and because I was given the environment to really to work on the skills i had a beautiful art teacher god rest her soul miss illingworth she really taught me how to like structure that expression so before i would meet white blank pages because i didn't know how to connect my hand to my vision Mm. and it's it's about learning it's like connecting brain um channels Mm -hmm. and the more you're connected which means the more you're totally aware then you just paint so i ended up being able to just sit for hours and not know what i'm really doing and just paint and have a vision that I'm just painting, painting, painting. I'd paint for days straight. <laughs> and, you know, you play your music to get in a trance. Yeah. And I just painted, 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 painted. Sometimes I painted and cried. <laughs> Sometimes I painted and I was singing. But painting was always a healing thing. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I eventually developed like a business side where I was able to sell my artwork. But it's always just been a therapeutic thing of expression a more seamless natural like creation process where photography is still technical yeah so anyway yeah so i always kind of knew how to paint did the ib program after that i pretty much was a professional artist i'd say Mm -hmm. and then yeah i just i've always i really painted a lot during my sad days and i now i have a collection of artwork that I've kept for all these years and I'm ready to sell them or, you know. Are you going to put in collections where you, where you separate, okay, then this is when I was feeling this way versus when I was feeling that way? Would you do that? That could be a thing, yes. I I, I do think that's a part of, like, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. definitely, because you can't, I could look at the painting and see exactly how I felt (laughs) or remember a time or, you know. And that's why I also got a lot of artist, artist blocks of how emotionally attached I was to my expression. Right. Um, I, there, I like there's been paintings it took me years to get back to. Where... Oh, those ones that you start. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, a, it, it's you know I never really was pressured with my art. I know like if I sold a piece here and there, it's been great. But I, it's never been my goal. Like pursue art as the money making thing. It's always been pursue art and make beautiful things. And if you know. So that's been my liberation through painting. Whereas in photography, Mm -hmm. sorry, but um, yeah, I've had to kind of astray from my passion and go more business mode (laughs) and go more to the things that I didn't really like, but I liked and I did well, but the money was there. So that's where I decided I was going to become a professional, um, you know. 
And that was my source of income. It's been my source of income. I've never worked for anybody in my life. Good. It's not um, bad at all. Yeah. Most people. Whereas always, if I wanted to paint and sell, it would have been harder. Like, I don't know. I yeah. just thought it made the most sense. And I, it, honestly, it's a pathway that I adore. I love my photography career. So the journey, the things that I like I've done because of my work or because of my, my, my craft. Yeah. Adventures again. So I'm an adventure <laughs> junkie. <laughs> I just need that. I I need, you know. So have you ever like photographed something and then painted it, or are you just paint from like you say you sit down and just from white canvas and just let the brush strokes roll? Um, I don't think I've ever. I think I've done that once or twice for like landscapes, mm-hmm. but most of it is just out of memory or just out of expression of thought. Um, and then some are just a combination of multiple photos where you create one image you know you have a vision board and then you just do it or you draw a sketch and then you paint the sketch visual references yes i've used um but i i really try to keep my photography and painting separate if that makes sense yeah i want to develop my editing technique as the paintbrush what I've noticed with that, okay, <clears throat> um, the 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 to compare painting or drawing mm-hmm. to photography, and I've had mm-hmm. this conversation with um, Alan before, salt artist, mm-hmm. and like for him, because I, I want him on the show and I want to talk to him because I I do not understand, I do not understand for any artist. Um, when I used to go to Wang and Art Show, and I got to, got to know a lot of the, the artists out there, and I've seen a lot mm-hmm. of them work, and I keep asking them, well, how do you know where to start? Like, mm-hmm. you're painting this whole mural, even with, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? She paints these, like, like big ladies. I love her painting. Yes. I, I definitely want one a few for my homes. Coley? Um, Yes. June Coley. Like, yeah. how the hell do you know where to start? I can't. I, I see what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. But. The thought process, my mind can't seem to cross that threshold. Ah, uh, so you don't have the connection yet. No, I don't have that. So it's mm-hmm. me. I'm I'm watching it, and I'm yes. Like, what what's what's happening? And I'm watching it unfold. Yes. But at the same time, how do you? Because I'm looking at the scale. Like my mind mm-hmm. is trying to process. Okay, then the canvas is um eleven by fourteen. But what I want to paint mm-hmm. is going to fit. You know, within this confines of this little space, and I need yes. to tell a story within that. That. I haven't had that connection. How does yes, that work? So it's the vision projection. It's like the same technique that I use when I cook instinctively, the same technique that I use when I hunt instinctively. Mm-hmm. It's almost like I have to be so in tune with the natural ability of visualizing and expressing that visual creation. You just, well, this is me personally, right? So I just connect and I envision. It's almost like I can see what I'm about to paint. So even to the point of mixing the colors, mm-hmm. I know exactly how much of each color to make to make that exact color that I need, that I envisioned. Um, it's just like if you see me painting, it would be a process of just seeing me do my thing. I can't even tell you what I'm doing. The same thing happens when I did sports. Same thing happens when I did music. It's just the expression. Yeah. And um I can't, I mean, like, and that's the, the other aspect. You can learn by being an outlier, which means doing something more than a thousand times. I heard somebody say that before. Yeah. So you can teach yourself how to 
paint if mm-hmm. you're not a natural painter. But some people are just born with it. That's that's the Picassos. That's the you know all these artists who just did and yeah, created exactly that. <laughs> and to me, I find that 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 should be something to be studied. That is something to be studied. Yes, because and again, right back to what I'm talking about. How do you if I'm going to draw a, a picture of a female on this canvas? You know, like you just mentioned, you have to envision it because I'm thinking of scale. Like, how do you know how? Yes. how lo- that's not an easy thing. I couldn't thing tell you. <laughs> not, I couldn't tell you why I put that sauce in that in that dish. Right, but it just worked. I'm also low-key a chef. Like, but it's just like you just feel it. It's hard to explain. I've always tried to figure out what it is, but it's like, and I'm sure everyone in the crafts know. You know, there's there's chefs who just cook to feel what they are expressing of the flavor. You know, that's how I cook. I, I, I can eat it and then kind of synthesize what's in it and then replicate it through that. So I can see something, kind of mm-hmm. see what I see and then replicate it through that. So mm-hmm. mostly off of visual references. I, I, um, I mind you, this is interesting because I do struggle with abstract. Now okay. I'm good at it, but it takes more effort because it's something that I have to actually just like, but jumble in my mind. Right. It's not something that I've seen visually and can like physically see a tree. And see, that's another option because I know a friend of mine yes. who who is also a photographer, but she shoots abstract and yes, amazing stuff, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I also that's my true passion, like abstract photography mm-hmm. and um, landscape and stuff, murals. So let me ask you this question: When you're shooting portraiture mm-hmm. or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, are you a technical shooter or an emotional shooter? Oh. I feel like I'm both. Okay. So I can know when to lean to each side, but emotional shooter, definitely. Like if you see me on a shoot, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm zoned out again. So I'm moving. It's like a language. It's a dance. I'm, I'm, I'm crawling. I'm <laughs> bending my knees. I'm seeing the natural environment and adapting to it instead of like making it as authentic as possible. And then it just becomes like a show it becomes a, and the clients love it. Like it, it's just like, I'm out in the jungle hunting. I don't know how to explain. It sounds crazy, actually, now that I think about it, but it just becomes a thing. And sometimes I have to watch myself because I'm definitely going to jump off a cliff, right? Do something. <laughs> <Careful>. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done shoots in the middle of the ocean at, at dawn. Right. On a little floaty because I needed to be away from the boat to get the shot. <laughs> any moment when Big Shock, when Harbor Massacre, could like, anyhow, you're gone, yeah. you know? But I live for those moments, but it's calculated. I like, I don't know how to explain it, but yes, calculated risks. And that's the part. Okay. For example, um, like I mentioned, my, the abstract photographer, uh, Natasha, Natasha Wallace, very good yeah. abstract photographer. Now, um, I don't know if you remember Jeff Major. Yes, I do. Jeff is an emotional shooter. When I say emotional mm-hmm. for him, you could ask Jeff, well, what settings did you use? Jeff, I don't know. He really doesn't know. Mm. Oh, I he see what you're saying. It. So, yes. Yes. Right. You know? Like, yes. there's a point, even with what you're doing, like, you say, okay, I got to get away from the boat. But when you get that shot, there's a point where you know you got it. You know you yes. got what you wanted. Yes. He he shoots that way. But, like, for me, like you said, you're, you're mixing between emotional and technical. I'm, I'm sort of yes. like that because I know... The, the technical side to what to get the shot that I want, but I know at the same time I have to feel it because I still going to tweak it. I'll take the exactly. technical shot and it's like, it's perfect, but it's like, that's not yes. what I want it. 
Exactly. So the emotions take over and you get that shot when you feel it. Mm-hmm. And I've, like with him, I've watched him shoot and he's mm-hmm. completely emotional. Emotional, in other words, he would shoot, he wouldn't look at his settings much, but he's noted, that's not what oh. I want. That's not what I want. Until he gets what he wants, until he feels like that's what I want it. You know, it's, but it's you quite see that maybe we do the same process, but maybe because we like that's the skipping part that you get with the technical aspect. So mm-hmm. you're looking at it, you're not getting what you want, but then you know that the aperture or, or whatever else that you need to do technically with the camera can get that look get or vision want. that you want. So this is what I learned in school. Mind you, before that, I already had like five years in photography business. Like I had my own business here before I went off to college. Right. And what I really learned in school was just seeing the shortcuts of technicality though i express myself naturally and emotionally for a long time you know shooting auto or whatever it is else that i did to just get the shot i realized the true craft Mm -hmm. became when i understood my camera i understood the settings the dials i understood the settings i understood the environments the lighting the, the the additional lighting that you might need i'm a natural i don't use artificial light right but in the commercial world i've learned how to use artificial light to make it look authentic right you see so that's the lighting that i like but anyway yeah it's just like you have to be again total aware right and um aware of the client aware of the environment (laughs) you have to multitask yes you're doing ten hundred thousand things at once (laughs) Make it yeah. your, turn your head this way, bring it down just a little bit. Yes. And at oh, the same time, you're just in focus yes. aperture. <laughs> um, like, you know, sometimes you trip or something. I don't know. <laughs> There's so, like, again, unpredictability, um, adaptation, problem solving. Sometimes you think you have the vision, you take the shot, and you're like, oh, yeah, that ain't it. That's not it at you all. Know, you spend so much time on that shot, but it ain't it. You just have to abandon it. All right, next. Exactly. Like, make up stuff as you go. You're in the scenery. And you have to be confident. You know, you can't be like, um, um, I, I just see. I'm like, okay, improvise, build a shot. Boom. This is more so for like um, families, couples, yeah, um, yeah, and stuff like that, where it's authentic moments, but it kind of has to be artificially made. No, I mean, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know um, what you mean. Um, yes, and even with that, because we, I call that background selection. Uh, mm-hmm. I teach that as well. I teach persons to look here, stand in this one spot, find me at least five locations within no more than 10 steps. Mm-hmm. And you have to learn how to, 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 to see these things before you step it. So like you say, yeah. you, don't, you don't want to seem so um, unsure, like what to do yeah. next, because they're depending on you. So yes. you can't be like, uh, exactly. I don't know what to do next. No. Yes. <laughs> figure this out you're a professional and then also it then becomes when you're doing this on a consistent basis there's only limited spots on this island so exactly. you can be so creative Very. you can't do the same thing exactly and with other photographers too I, I feel like there's also been turf wars or whatever oh yeah people get offended if you shoot in the same spot but no it's not even about that it's about being creative enough to transform the same spot yes. every single time and make it look different that's the techniques that i use people used to be like yo where do you shoot uh, the same place you shot. Same place. You know? So it's about the eye. It's about the the angles, perception. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of different things that are that you have to adapt as a. I mean, 
as a authentic photographer. I mean, oh, that's tricky. <laughs> Sorry. You know I don't what it is? Triggering words. No, I would use the word authentic because it's based on you. You know, it's based on your personality. That's what you see. Right. If you see the world from multiple angles, you're going to shoot mm-hmm. from multiple angles. But there are some people that are just so linear. They they only get yes. see only this shot. Line them up this yes. way. I'm like, boy, like your brain, you're not that artistic enough. Like you mentioned, right. some people are not born with that. Yes. You know, they have to learn it. Like, I hate, I seriously hate when you have a family and they just want to stand up on the side of each other. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, exactly. What are you doing? No. But you might, mind you, you might get a client like that and you're like, okay. And then while in the middle of the shoot, you know, that's not what they really want. So you just improvise and, and make them laugh it. and yeah. get the shots. You know, it's about you executing what you know will look good. Sometimes I, I, I do techniques to get certain shots and they don't believe me. And when mm-hmm. they see the final shot, it's like, oh, okay. So... <laughs> To get the authentic natural laugh, I I do this crazy thing where I just go like do <laughs> backwards, and just I do crazy sh- like I just do crazy noises or whatever. I know it sounds weird, but I actually no. get people to laugh authentically because of just being crazy Sophie, <laughs> and I get like these amazing shots like authentic. Um, did I just tell my secrets? Anyway, <laughs> no, it's not because um, because it's something that I do. I call it the Instagram fake laugh. I always yeah. tell people do that. You hold your belly and laugh, and they. When they think of it, because they see it so often, they give me an authentic laugh. I'm like, okay, exactly. I got what I wanted. <laughs> but yeah, you have to do stuff like that. Yeah, put yourself like almost like what you do with kids when you're trying yeah, exactly. to make them yeah, yeah. feel comfortable. And I'm sure all the school photographers have had to, had their tricks to do um, children portraits. Boy, you know oh, you have kids. to. Yeah, kids, kids are difficult. It's a lot of uh, anthropology, is it going on? You have to be very. Um, instinctive about other people's behaviors or body languages yeah i guess you, you have to be a people person that's the simplest way yes. to put it you know you just and confident too i yeah. think is important confident confidence and, but stern at the same time because i know people would tell you what to do why don't you do exactly like, i have the camera man like yeah so on the shoot i'm the boss you know like that's i mean not in a degrading way but i i'm the one leading the vision and obviously i know what my client wants but that's the, the the good part of the craft. That's why they trust you. Yeah. That's why they choose you. Yeah. Because you were then the vision guider. And this is where the commercial world comes in. You have a concept and you're trying to sell a brand. You add that concept. It's the marketing world. And then it and you get to express yourself in other ways, you know? Exactly. So speaking of commercial work, because I noticed you've been shooting a lot of swimwear and other things that have for little small yeah. companies around the place. So how is that? How is that different from portraiture? I know how, but I want you to tell me how how different do you feel it is than the family portrait or the birthday portrait when someone tells you, oh, I want some photographs to, to sell this lifestyle of this clothing line. Yes. So about that. So it's about the product. It's about the lifestyle behind the product. It's about the expression of the product. It's about what the client wants. And it's about the realistic expectation of the client from the consumers. So it's like you have to look at it from a business marketing standpoint. And then you have to develop the the shots around that construct. So then you become an artist who is expressing something to tell the best story of the item or or subject or place that you're trying to express to sell or to make as beautiful as possible. Which So then you just have to develop vision thinking to that extent so that's pretty much what it is you you get a client who has a a vision and you have to see the vision Mm -hmm. and execute and then the shoots itself 
people don't know how much work actually goes behind commercial because it's a it's like a full set at, at some commercial yes. shoots. You know, and it's lighting, it's it's mood. Even choosing the right location for things. Yes. I'm hoping that the weather cooperates with the you. The actors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The models. <laughs> Everything goes into play. So Stylist. what about, because um, I got thrust into that years ago, so I was kind of uh-huh. new to it, but I did have some training in it. So I, I had some idea. I got trained um, uh, in the States. I did a few classes on that, learning about okay. commercial photography. So yes. They were taught. They were talking mainly more about the behind the scenes. The shooting is like you just had to know how to shoot already. Yeah. But now you have to understand. Okay, then how do you do a mood board? Or sometimes you exactly put these things together. Or they, it has they to be say, a okay, vision, right? Structure, the, it's a business <laughs> transaction. You know? I mean, the other one is this is more like a company or a expectation of a product. Right. You know. So a lot is at stake. If they don't like the way you express their product, they're not oh, going to yeah. like your work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's where you, if you really get that concept, sometimes you don't really like the person's vision and you just try to execute it as best as you can, you know? Right. But that's, usually. How has that ever felt to you? Because to me, again, when I first started in it, the concept that I had at the time was that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to put my vision into this, not realizing it's not what I wanted. It's what the client really wants. Yeah. You have to bring out what they want. Right. So this is where, as an artist, honestly, you get to decide. So what I learned is with the consultations, if you really like have a client and you really are just not seeing their vision or you think it's not going to up par with your standards or I don't know, whatever, you can just say no. Yeah. In that, like, so this is where the consultation, that's why I learned eventually. But yeah. if you're in the situation where you say yes, and then you find out that the expectations is a unrealistic, in the sense that impossible or unrealistic in the sense that it's like not making sense for you as a, a brand or you as a, you know, business. Yeah. Then you really just have to try to do the best possible if you already said yes to the job. And then at that point, it really is about putting your mind into the person's head. And I mean, I've, it depends too on what it is because I've had a client, an example was, um, I had a client, it was a makeup artist and a hairstylist, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really know, see her work. It was a busy time, but I was doing um, a favor for a friend essentially. And when I got there or when they came to my studio, it was like, it looked bad. Mm. When I tell you it looked bad, I was sh- like, I didn't know how I was going to make these pictures look good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so God. I was like, well, like, I was like, hold on. Okay. Sophie, like you can do this. <laughs> Right, and I had to just like do my thing and execute, boy. Because when the shots came out, I didn't know how. <laughs> that's why the consultation is so important. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and that's so because people, um, I know sometimes they get upset, which is why I like to meet face to face. Because I, I tell them like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I have a lot of questions for you. I need to understand exactly what you need exactly what you're looking for because if like you say if you can't get in their head and pull that vision out boy you're going to work extra hard and that Mm -hmm. that's that in itself of asking the right questions to build like i said we we think visually so they're trying to tell and some people are so so not good at telling a story on how you to build a picture so you're trying to put this puzzle together and like okay something's missing i don't i don't really understand how that's going to work yes tell me again how and this sometimes is. you do your best and they don't like it yeah, yeah. 
God knows why. Mm-hmm. But then you have to, as an artist, then be humble. Now, I guess, like, I don't know, there's levels. You know, one thing is disrespect, but the other thing is, like, understanding that they may just not like your style or your work. Right. But at that point, you're doing client work, so then you kind of have to, like, adapt and change something that they don't like, you know? Some people may take offense or whatever, but really you're at the... That's the thing, like, at the whims of the client. Yeah, Like, you exactly. really have to please the client in those commercial settings, I'd say. But most of the times it's seamless, I'm not going to lie. Like, I've had very pleasant clients who have a vision and boom, we execute and create magic. That's That's the beauty of it. But sometimes you just are met with a situation eventually in this career that you will meet somebody or a certain situation where you're just not seeing eye to eye. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. People, I guess photographers don't even talk about that aspect, just the emotional aspect of the business. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. This is not an easy, this is not an easy thing to get into. Yes. You got to be tough. Sometimes you have to be tough. Yes. It is. It's cutthroat. Sometimes, you know, you think these people, and sometimes you're doing favors even, oh. and they come for your whole existence. Oh, I was about to say they use you the worst ones. I've stopped yes. doing favors, but I've stopped that. I'm like, okay, this is. But too that stressful. was that's my nat- that was my natural nature. And I luckily when I started working with, let's say, IC Marketing, they really helped me structure. Right. Um, I learned a lot from them, Darian and Margaret, my girls. Like, I learned a lot being in this in that environment of commercial, and um, really learning how to and to this, like you know, like I say, it's always a learning process. To this day, I have to figure out stuff within my company. Right. Um, but it, it, I've definitely seen improvements in the structure. And I've definitely, you know, been able to get a more consistent work base. Because before it was just a leisure thing. You know, I'd make money for two weeks and then go on vacation <laughs> for months. <laughs> it truly was a blessing. But I was like, okay, wait, real life, you know. And I've always been a person who's not about the system. Right. Okay. I ain't into no nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have to balance myself though. So I kind of, the story is, again, I went off the edge of work because I was like, all right, let me really push, right? Mm-hmm. And I pushed, but I was still naive in certain sense. And I ended up resulting, like directly putting my body physically in, in danger mm-hmm. at, the, at the pinnacle of death. And I, at that point, then it's like so many things career at the tip life at the tip and then you have to make choices yes. and that's those are the decisions that really mold you and change is uncomfortable too that's another thing so within the yeah. craft as well changing yourself or changing how you structure yourself or changing it's not going to be comfortable sometimes because habits are habits or um perceptions are perceptions but you really have to try to like be as totally aware as possible so do you self-evaluate yourself and when i say self-evaluate like to see where you are now is this the path that i wanted to go on is this what i'm supposed to be getting right yeah to get i actually do it in a very like spiritual sense so a part of my healing is i sit out i've sat outside every day for like a year and a half now Mm -hmm. by myself just playing music or essentially like meditating, talking to God, connecting to myself. I'm really trying to like dig into my heart and, and my pain and all my traumas and just discovering myself, you know, and I'm a twin as well. So it's self-identity 
mm-hmm. has always been a thing as well. When you grow up and you're always with somebody, we had the same room until we were like in college. Right. It, it, that discovering yourself is 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 the thing, you know. And um, self confidence and all that stuff. But anyway, I sat outside for a year and I I really um, thought about myself. I always put myself on the plate at the rawest, most uncomfortable thoughts. Um, people usually just like stash that in the deepest, darkest parts of your mind. And that's what I did for years. But you have to confront these things and you have to put them in front of yourself. And that's where I realized until you do that, it's only there where God in the name of Jesus can heal you. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I've learned. You have to really fully come and acknowledge everything, all your pain, all all of your your wrongdoings or everything that, and then you can decide to change because you are forgiven me and that like everyone does it but like are you really doing it are you really forgiving yourself knowing that god forgives you and um not even like for what you did but what the things that happened to you that were out of your control just simply accepting your life is a big thing too yeah um i had a problem accepting my life you know when i when i was in high school soccer was my life i would never think i would not be a professional soccer player right now <laughs> i was on the national team training every day for like 10 years mm. i was committed i that was my life you know i traveled i represented my country i was a warrior if anybody knew me when i played soccer i was a warrior <laughs> and that was taken away from me at a very young age i didn't know what that was and my body failed me you know like i I couldn't do what my mind wanted. Right. And um, that was, uh, and I, I did heavy surgery, so I met heavy drugs. Um, a lot of things that affected me at such a young age and learning how to walk over and over is also a hard process. But a lot of things that happen to people that are out of your circumstance, accepting what you were born with. I was born with a um, metabolic syndrome and I had to accept certain things about my body. Mm-hmm. If not, I'm going to die. And you could deny it. But until you fully put it in front of yourself and acknowledge, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is who, but then when you see, this is who I want to be, then it, you have to accept what was, you have to accept what is. And that's where Jesus comes into the picture of healing because mm-hmm. he does. That's what he died on the cross for. And those, like I can acknowledge to some people, this may sound like a fairy tale or like, I guess the concept of religion or Jesus is now lost because it's been abused and used in a way that has actually been horrible. Um, in my journey, I've come to acknowledge like the truth and I've come to acknowledge um, the true healing process, whether, you know, people may have um, their, their thoughts or whatever. Let my life be my testimony. Right. And. Um, yeah how did that go so deep (laughs) that was good that was good because um it's something i usually talk to people about i call it self-awareness and and tell you like you mentioned you sit down and and evaluate your life and say Mm -hmm. you know what okay yeah i made some mistakes yeah i did some good things yeah i did some bad things this is who i am this is what i am right now until you can accept yourself you can't Mm -hmm. really move on Exactly. And for persons who try to move on without doing that, they constantly fail and they get more angry and upset because they yes. feel as if their life is a fit because you didn't accept yourself. Yes. And I also see it as a pathway that accepting yourself as being a true child of God. Yeah. The more you're in denial, the more you're going astray from the path exactly. that God has set for you. 
exactly. So then you end up in, in the wrongest path and you're so further away from your purpose. But the key is at any moment, I don't care how far in your life, at any moment you can decide, no, I can change. In the name of Jesus, I am healed. You know what that power is? That's power. One one word sums that up is simply repentance. Just change your mind and go the opposite way. Yes. And I don't, and also, like again, it's not that I did evil things. It's like the things that happened to me because yeah. of my naiveness. Yeah. Traumas are real. People go through like horrible things, man. Abuse. Um, and they can't recover from that. It's hard to understand yourself. How do you look at yourself? How do you perceive yourself if you never even got to understand who that was because it was traumatized? So even there, like the healing and acknowledgement needs to happen there. Um, There's a verse, and, and I'm trying to remember it to my head, to my head. So I'll just paraphrase it. We talked about mm-hmm. um, that God loves you so much that He 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 has an expected end for you. Yes. And, I remember when I heard that, I say, what do you mean an expected end? Because he says he doesn't want to hurt you. He doesn't want anything bad for you. Yes. So it kind of stuck with me for a while. Um, and it, I think it's one day, what they call it, revelation. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that, dude, you put pain on yourself. Yes. <laughs> you know? It's you know? the dwelling. It's the... Uh, like, exactly. It's very real. Because it was real, boy. Like, especially with my visual thinking. I tortured myself remembering i that's what happened to me you know i was reliving traumatic experiences that were out of my control and there i was spiraling and you know i was depressed i was suicidal like but i knew that i was a child of god i knew that i didn't want to kill myself really because and this is how i tested myself when i was free diving i had a choice to stay down there you know right but what did i do every time at the pit at the bottom of the sea i decided to go back up and that was my testimony myself see Sophia you know you may feel this way that the, the dark clouds are over you but you want to live you want like life is so much and that was God again like just screaming at the top of the hill Sophia my daughter I am here right so I just had to look at verse up it's actually um yes Jeremiah 29 verse 11 for I know the thoughts that I think towards you say the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected uh-huh. end and, mm-hmm. and that's so powerful to realize like you, like you said, we, we beat ourselves up. And mm-hmm. here it is. He has thoughts towards you of peace. Like mm-hmm. you just need to find peace. The only one yes. way to find it. Like you mentioned, you know, my son, my son, Jesus is there. He he came there for a reason. Yes. So. And it's almost like peace. Yes. And it's almost like God gave us a code on how to acknowledge that we're human. Right. Because <laughs> that's the point. We can make choices. We can right. make choices, but it's aligning ourselves with the right choices. Ah. And then. When things happen, obviously you're going to get hurt. Yeah. So I don't care how good you are. If you get heartbroken, some things are going to creak in that aren't supposed to be there. You can get angry. You can get um, d- disdain. You can get jealousy. You can get all these things that are clearly told in the Bible and taught that will affect you as a human. But it's up to us to decide and acknowledge that these things don't belong to us. Mm-hmm. And here's where you come to the, the healing points. You come to like, okay, because this is what happened to me when I got heartbroken. I was so naive and bubbly and lovely, but somebody broke my heart and ripped right. it and stepped on it. And at that at that point, at a very young age too, um, obviously I can go into details, but it was a, for a young girl, I went through a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it took, it took me 10 years to even accept what happened to me. Right. But that process needed to happen in the way it did. And there's no way I could have understood what happened if I didn't go through my whole life. You know, healing is also a thing that has to be met with patience and faith and, and, and real just like submitting yourself to God, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just so you could move past that moment. Yes. Because like, we are going to be sad. I, I tell you, the world is the way it is because people got their heart broken at yeah, one point. Yeah. It became cold. Yeah. I became cold. I was cold, but I didn't like who I was. And I was like, hold on, I can't. This ain't me. And I love this person. So, you know, I'm, it, you really question yourself at those points. So I could see how people turn evil. That was never me. I can't. I can't be mean. <laughs> So let That's me ask you this. Book. I mean, this, yeah. um, like you say, everyone has, I wouldn't say everyone, I don't know. The majority of people will go through this type of thing. I had my, it wasn't heartbreak, but my, my brother was killed and I literally yes. was to the point of dying myself. Yes. And it was my aunt my condolences. Um, who brought me back because yes. one, I was literally, this was like Star Trek. I was on the edge, just going to the dark side. I was ready yes. to kill. I was literally wow. ready to kill because I wanted mm-hmm. vengeance. And mm-hmm. when... I heard my mother, because my mother, before my brother died, he had to go to the States. He had brain surgery and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she was pleading me to, to you know, catch, because I couldn't, I really just snapped. I just snapped. Because my brother, mm-hmm. we grew up together. And to yes. know that he was my hero, he, he taught me a lot that he's in his mm-hmm. condition. I wanted revenge. Mm-hmm. So from teetering on to the edge of the dark side, she brought me back just by hearing my mother cry. I never really heard my mother cry like that, but I heard her cry and yes. she brought me back. And to the point that I dropped in depression because I was staying with my aunt, mm-hmm. I literally lost half my body weight and up with ulcers and headaches and stuff like that. Wow, yeah. And I remember my aunt telling me, your mommy, um, this is the, I remember the day my brother died. They didn't want to tell me because they thought I was going to give up. So what she said, she said, your mommy, how she told me was, your mommy just lost your brother. She don't mm-hmm. need to lose you too. She can't lose mm-hmm. both of y'all. Yes, and that's where you find the strength right. within yourself. So that brought me back. Yes. So for you, what brought you back from that point? That okay. very same construct. Mm-hmm. Here oh. I was in my world, and then I have a twin. Who's right. obviously experiencing, to some extent, similar things as me. Um, and I had to really just attach myself and be like, okay, I can't leave them behind. I can't. It's selfish for me to dwell. Right. Who am I to dwell and and then the more you dwell it, the more you forget your blessings. Who am I to sit at the top of a castle and not acknowledge the blessings, mm-hmm. the miracles? Who, like, you know, when you really think about your life and reflect, um, you know, what a blessing. And that's the stuff that gives, gives you strength. And I have a family who loves me and I can't leave them, you know. Um, so it's really that inner fight for survival for yourself, but also for those who love you or those who you love. And then it just becomes a, a warrior battle within your, your heart. You know, you have to combat every natural raw instinct your emotional saying, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that your emotions are saying in order to do what is essentially right. And loving someone is not just loving yourself, but loving everyone around you. Yeah. You know, selflessness is important. And so that's the problem, too. I used to be very selfless. Well, because of that, I was taken advantage of. Right. So then I became cold. 
But then that wasn't me. So then I had to find this like structure between the two and really try to balance. And I feel like a lot of people have that problem because they're either brought to one spectrum or the other. Right. And authenticity is then missed there. Um, it's about, someone says you have to become senses. Like you have to be um, mentally, and to this day I struggle, like, you know, but you really have to train yourself to control emotions because though emotions are beautiful and brilliant and it can also be very dark and present. Yeah. And consumptuous. And we all know emotions lock, lock um, logic. And God knew that. He knew that from the inception. So that, that's, that's what makes us human. And it's about us acknowledging these emotions and then being able to, um, like, okay, let's say in the ocean. If I'm about to, I've, I've punched a shark before trying to save somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I've punched a shark to save somebody. Right. I'm going to tell you that. And in that moment, you think, oh my goodness, mind you, I was shitting myself. Yeah. But am I going to freeze and potentially also die and let my brethren die? Right. Or am I going to be a warrior and face this head on and go? Do what you act? have to do. I punch a shot. <laughs> I save a life. <laughs> that's, that's, it's like, you really test yourself in those moments. And I've had a lot of those moments. Um, Shock puncher. And even that construct is lost in, like people, there's, I've seen videos where like somebody's dead on the street and people yeah, are just walking. Walking by. You know, that like humanity is so detached. You find yourself like thinking, what's going on you know but it's also not to be foolish like don't throw yourself like you know the rule is save yourself before you yeah. can save somebody else yeah make sure you save. so you have to be like i've, I've considered or saved. i'm a certified lifeguard so okay i've saved somebody drowning before mm-hmm. but there's been times like my dad has a story where he was a kid and he was working at a resort um and there was these kids on a banana boat, and the banana boat flipped, but they didn't tell my dad that they couldn't swim. When I tell you, those kids were drowning my father. They were drowning him. Mm-hmm. And my dad, because he tried to save them, put his own life at risk. Yeah. And you're taught, actually, that you don't save somebody. You're Like, you actually, because at that point, those persons that self-survival, you have to be, like, well-calculated in how you approach the person. If not, you're in danger, and your life is in danger. Right. So that's also another thing with spearing. It's a language of trust and it's a language of acknowledgement. So I got to know that my diving partner, if I pass out, can dive a hundred feet to come get me. Mm-hmm. Um, my same friend and mentor, he saved his brother. His brother passed out and he had to go dive and, and save him a hundred some feet, grabbed him by the leg, lifeless. Yeah. But this is what like that, that language is also. It's about trust. It's about, um, I don't know, attributes that you carry, if you carry in your life, you're such a different person, you really perform miracles at that point. Right. You know what I mean? That's heroes. That's what superheroes are. Hmm. And they say, but, um, one who tries to save his life will lose it, and one who gives up his life will have it, would save it. So yes. you, you actually have to, it's that connection, I think it is. Yes, and yeah. calculative. You know, if you yeah. know you could do it, then do you it. do it. But right. Like, there's times where it's just, yeah, you're not gonna run so, into into a burning building that's completely inflamed 
and think exactly. that you're going to be fireproof. Yeah, it's like, and this is where the intuitive thing comes to. This is where God's Holy Spirit speaks to you. Right. If it's all go, just go. You got I it. Dare, like I, I'm gone. You know, that's what it. I don't know, but this is like this is how I connect the intuitive thing. Um, if you connect to your intuitive nature, which is just being a man or a woman, it's a language. Mm-hmm. Like it's a whole culture. And I think that's what the Asian lifestyle pretty much is. That's what I'm trying to tell my people. Our culture and our, our like what our ancestors did is a language of love, right. a language of strength, a language of freedom. Paradise of you, like, you know. I think we've strayed so far from that, though. Yes, but I don't think it's lost. No, it's not lost. I just think we need to teach it a bit more. Like, for example. Exactly. Um. I grew up between Nassau and Freeport. And when I was in Freeport, uh, I used to stay down in, in Eight Mile Rock with my grandmother. So I used to be around, around the place barefoot. But like when I come into the city to Freeport, I was up in, in on the 13th floor in, in the Casa Bahama. I had my own room and everything. But mm-hmm. that being in Eight Mile Rock, running around with everyone, learning and helping each other out. Because my yes. grandmother, you know, that like if someone yes. down the road did enough, nothing to eat, she would take this down to me so and so. Exactly. You know, so we live that communities. Way. Yeah. We, but that's what we are. Like I don't know where the Bahamas thought we were now a Western country. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like though it's it, it's helped and made our life more functional and look we're more awakened and more developed. And are we though mentally? Like I look what actually so. is happening to yeah. us. Like, since when was material things more valuable than paradise? Exactly. When what? And it. And then it all goes back to the construct of oppression and the uh, the construct of, um, I don't know. It gets deep, I guess I'd say that much. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's up to us. I mean, those who yeah. know how it was, we have to teach. Like, I, I teach my, yes. my, my family or even especially my daughter, you know, compassion. I think that's something, um, even at two years old right now, you know, I teach her what is sorry. What does it mean to hurt someone? You know, yes. how to share something. I would just ask her for something to see if she'd give up her favorite toy to me right. or whatever. Exactly. Like, and that's exactly it. Sorry to cut you off, but what God has also revealed to me throughout my journey is that um, love is sacrifice as well. Right. Love is, is giving up. Love is giving up um, something. Like, I, there is times with, if you love somebody, you're going to have to put yourself second. And that's what, like, this life is because at any moment a cat five could come yeah, and yeah. destroy everything. Very real, very, very real. We know that. And um, I don't know if you know about game theory. No. The construct of game theory. No. What is that? Where it's like a data analysis where um, researchers or scientists do tests or data collection based off of games and their results. Okay. So I guess you can, get a chess board and then you attach certain variables to each each um, play or each player mm-hmm. and then based off of the natural instinct of each player based off of the variables of every game you make certain calculations mm-hmm. it's almost like using a subset world to make philosophical theories mm-hmm. i don't know if that was deep but anyway there's a game theory um if you if you can understand let's talk about a game called penguin hole that my friend actually made up where it's a free diving game where there's certain spots, let's say in a pool or in an area where you can breathe, right? Those are safe zones. And 
there is a sea lion. That's the character. Let's say it's a children's game, right? There's a sea lion coming to eat at all the the penguins. And the penguins have to have breathing holes. So you could run away from the sea lion, but you could only like breathe. It's a free diving game. So you can only breathe when you're under a hole. And the rule is only one person is allowed to go with the hole at once. So either you can play this game like this. You stay in a hole for the whole game and you win. So that means that the other players die. Yeah. Or do you go back under, sacrifice your breath so your friend or your brother could go and breathe? And then you go back down and then you breathe. And then you switch it up and then you play games with the sea line and then you beat the sea line because you're able to share a space. You're able to be able to sacrifice yourself. So what this culture does is self-preserves. We self-preserve. No one, how many people are actually thinking outside of this construct of a, their nuclear family? Yeah. People are in survival mode and though that's necessary because of the way the world is, we have to remember we're a community. We have to remember we're still a, a, a a place in a small place together, you know, and and because of our history, we've been separated. We've been taught to hate on each other. We've been taught to put each other down. We've been taught to um, not allow ourselves to progress within the community because there was no community. What is community? You know, I I admire places like Gambier and Adelaide that still have like community based places. Like, what a beautiful time I've had in Gambier. I love the people in Gambier. Those are my people, and. Because they still have a community, like they love each other, and they they grow food. They it's like one of the last African settlements on the island. Believe it or not, my grandmother was from Gambia, and my grandfather's from Gambia. Wow! So I know both both communities. We have family properties yes. in both. Yes, so exactly. I know what it's wow. like. I know. Yes. And this is why it's so weird to me when I when I see people like you mentioned. Not looking yes. out for their neighbors or their people and never exactly. You know I'm, exactly. It's it's foreign to me. I'm like, what's going on with yes. this world? <laughs> but if you if you notice the what's the similarity between Adelaide and Gambia? Let's see if you can get it. Similarity in what with, with respect? In you know, the the, the community the aspect. Yes, exactly. They're close to the water. they the community. Those communities were driven off of like fishermen. Yeah. When you realize, like, it gets so deep and you acknowledge, it's almost like, I don't know, God's destiny. And this is why I tell people you need to go to the family island for a while. If yes. you go to the family island, just, just see how they it's live. Different. It's just it's completely different. Yes, it's completely different. different. You know, mm-hmm. the people are more friendly. The air is cleaner. I mean, yes. everything is just totally different. It really Everyone knows each other. Yes. Everyone's a family, like. I, I, I lived in Exuma for a while. My grandfather's from Exuma. Mm-hmm. And um, I did a summer camp and I was with the, like, the younger generation. And oh my goodness, it was such a beautiful experience. And the whole community, like you eventually know everyone. That's how it should be. And, yeah. I find it's it a beautiful so, thing. I find it so hard. Um, again, another thing I like to do, I like to talk to older people because I like to know how did they grow up and how it was back then. Now, yes. my dad and I, we always have these interesting conversations sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I remember, because he's in Freeport. He, he's in the city of Freeport. And they yes. said, like, my grandmother was in Eight Mile Rock. And I, I remember asking him, why is it in the city of Freeport that the community is not the same as it is, you know, down in Eight Mile Rock? And in mm-hmm. fact, in, in Seagrip, I, uh, my name Penn. People hear the name Penn, you know you're from Seagrip. But anyway, why is it so different? So yes. he said, 
Well, the first problem was that um, in Seagrape or anywhere in the, the Eight Mile Rock, the community, everyone knew each other because they grew up there, right? Mm-hmm. But here in the city, what happens? Everybody moved there. So you have someone from Holmes Rock. You have someone from Seagrape. You have someone from from uh, West End. You have a person from different communities moving mm-hmm. into the city. And because they think the city life is different, they don't mm-hmm. they don't bring that with them. Yes. Know? Because I know in the evening times in, in Abe Rock, we out on the porch and we chilling. Everybody yes. outside talking, but they don't do that exactly. in the city. Exactly. It's almost like the traits, and, and this is why I know it's important for me to share what I know. Because if my grandfather didn't teach my grandfather, my grand, my, sorry, if my grandfather didn't teach my father, I wouldn't have known anything. Right. So it's about the language is being lost because of the society that we've been pulled to. Yeah. And um, this language is important. Let's not forget. You know, we're people of the sea. Yeah. You know, we need get a fleet. Right now, this country needs a fleet of people on the sea. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you know, sorry, not, not to break, not to break that thought, right? But mm-hmm. um, there's a Disney cartoon that I like to watch, and I know my wife always asks me why I watch it. Mm-hmm. Moana. And I'm. Oh like, my gosh! This is why. This is like this is where we should be. Why don't we? I am Moana. The sea? Honestly, Moana is very similar to my life story. Right. Not even kidding. I wish I could go into depths, depths, depths one day in my book or something. But it's it's beautiful. Like I don't know. And and yeah. We, we yeah we have to do something. I mean, we should be able to sail from island to island. It's like you know what I yes. go around just let me go take my boat, not jump on a boat. I'm going to take my boat. Yes. I'm going to Andres or I'm going to this place. I'm going this should be like yes. a norm for us. Yes, you know? and mind you, we you know if, if people invested in boats instead of rims on their cars or yeah. whatever else yeah. this society has pushed. Mind you, I don't blame people, right? Mm-hmm. But it's more so like I understand what happened, you know. I understand they moved us into the inner city. Yeah. Yeah. And I say us because I don't care what like I like I guess I have had a very privileged background, but I'm a Bahamian, you know? Yeah. I grew, like, my father grew up in Chippenham. I also grew up there for a couple of years. But I don't say that to say I have strides. So, meaning I understand um, my people. Like, I can I can never really connect with this other lifestyle that is also the issue in this country. We can maybe go into this topic. I don't know. <laughs> but acknowledging that there's a lot of things that the Bahamians are being... Um, taken advantage of just because of the simple fact that people are not aware. Right. Very important and very important in this specific time in our history as a nation. Yeah. Almost like not right now is where people need to start to wake up because if not, it's going to be a lot. But, you know, I, I know that timing is everything. Yeah. And God, like, again, knows. He's like, yeah. Um, but this country is special. We're not just some random place, you know. This country is special. It has the potential to heal the world. In more than one way. I know that for sure. Yes. Yeah, exactly. For sure. You know, it was... And it's all about finding true liberation within ourselves. Right. Once we do that, we will be a light to the world. Especially even as, as black people. And just including all cultures, because there's many different behaviors as well. There we go. <sighs> um, like, that topic is so... 
<laughs> I could go so deep in that because that's yeah. something that I, I talk about a lot of people a lot of time. And in yeah. fact, I, I had a, a conversation I put on the podcast as well. And we talked mm-hmm. about Bahamian culture and why is yes. it that we do we have we we do and why is it that we're losing this that we used to do. Yes. You know, and it's so deep to me, it's it's so passionate to me to the point that yes. um I was talking to who well, I was talking, another guy I was talking on the podcast. We we were discussing um how food uh Simeon Hall Jr. We were talking about yeah. how food is such a cultural thing, right? And we yes. were talking because he was doing some research like from from Island Island and how we create how we cook food differently from Island Island. And it was mm-hmm. so interesting that he mentioned some things that it didn't even dawn on me. Like uh, the Greeks invented crack comb? You, you know, s- s- things like that. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> I'm like I'm like, because this is again, that's the history part that we don't know, first of all. Yes. And if you don't know your history, how are you supposed to know who you are? Like, how do you know right. everything that you do? There's a reason why you do it. You gotta right. figure that out. And that part like that, if you lose that culture, what are we becoming? Are we happy with what we're becoming? You know? Yes. And I think the key point, because yes, everyone can take these processes, but are you really actually looking at what happened? And I think this is where a lot of people get lost because we can acknowledge our history, yes, we were slaves or you know, freedom liberated, but we really look at the actual timelines of what happened actually in history. And this is something they actually hid from us. Right. I grew up learning about Christopher Columbus, you know, savior of the world. Yeah. We all did. And that's such a deception. You really think about it. That's such a deception. And especially the Bahamas, because, you know, this was the first place he discovered. So right. even for the world, we have a testimony because we were bamboozled from the time. We were, our generations were, were lied to, essentially. Right? And they didn't really teach us about our people. They didn't really teach us about the fights for liberation. They didn't really teach us about what people like my grandfather and other people's ancestors had to actually fight for right you know it's so easy to forget that was only a hundred years ago that's the age of my grandfather you know that's only three generations ago exactly so you think that all of everything that happened just disappears so this is where we have to like map and this is what my pathway also took me mapping what happened in this country and seeing where certain constructs and certain things were kept at a certain level just for the mere purpose of um, control or Wait, like, again, they didn't want us to see the life because the same life that I've been so privileged to live, I felt it didn't belong to me for the longest because I didn't have the access until I was at such an elite level. Yeah. And then when you look at it, it's like, wait, you could do this for free. Mm. So when you look at it, then it's like, wait, my people could do this for free and have the time of their lives. And guess what? You were born here, this young place. And so, people are saving millions and billions of dollars to come live to here. Come and here. Born here. Exactly. And you can see that's the something that, that let me ask you this question and speaking on that, that whole thing, right? Um Yes. I remember having a conversation with these gentlemen. They were having actually I, I bought into their conversation. They were talking about politics and so on and so forth. And yes. I asked them, I say, I want you to answer this one question. How do you educate an entire nation? And they yes. just couldn't understand what I was saying. I say, no, no. they keep running on with all oh, they ever do this, they have to change that. I say, no, no, no. How do you educate an entire nation? Because yes. the thing is, if you don't know, how can you make a change? Exactly. If, and, ha- and You know? So, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So if you don't know, like you said, there is a life out there that you can live. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that and you don't know how to get to that, I don't care what changes you make. If you don't know that exists, you're never going to get there. Exactly. And the, even the value system. What precious moments are you willing to 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 acknowledge and protect. Right. 
and even our natural resources, it goes back to like so many things. Um, and it also like the, in the answer to your question, how do you educate the populace? A cultural revolution. Mm. The same thing that I've ever like art. How do you change the minds of people of music? Um, how do you change the mind of the masses expression of art and beauty and, and, and culture? And just we, we need a cultural revolution of peace and love, but also of truth and facts. Right. And um, we need to rise up. That's been my thing. So it, it's about acknowledging what we have. And not saying it that behemoths don't, but it's really acknowledging. Not not just the little part, but the whole construct of what it means to be a behemoth. The whole. And then understanding what power that actually gives us, even up to self-confidence. And then acknowledging the moves and decisions we now need to make. You know, I find it it's such a beautiful story, our nation, because we're like one of the few countries that was incepted in the name of Jesus. Right. You know, that's profound. <laughs> if you really think about it, if you think about destiny, you think about a group of people who were taken away from their home and then brought somewhere else. Um, enslaved and and then left in paradise. <laughs> Because they wanted to save face with the rest of the world. But were they actually going to leave us with the key? Yeah. Or they were going to use us as little ants. And that's what they did. Yeah. Look at our main industry. It's like, a, it's like a book laid out of like exactly what happened, man. Tourism is a slave like plantation. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> that's a serious realization because most people will never really even see that. Yes. They would very rarely even see that. They would and some people just don't care. You know, that's, that's yes. the part that like I guess is always the one third rule. You know, one third will care, one third won't care, yes. and one third is gonna be like in between. But if you yes. get that in between the switch, like that's how you get things changed, you know? Yes. But oh, that's amazing that you actually realized that part. Yeah, man, because there's only so long I could dance you know, partying or whatever I did as a kid yeah. and acknowledging my people here serving. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, and the only representation of myself was serving. Wow. That's, that's and profound. then I was like, wait a second. That could be my cousin, or that is my cousin. <laughs> or, um, I don't know, so many real things, because I was at the cusp of, of a life, were just so laid out to me. And not to say that, that, it's negativity to us to what happened, but this is the perception. This is the concept of our society. You know, there's people in this world that don't even know that black people are something other than servants. You know, and um, I don't know the intention of the actual writer, mm -hmm. but I, even from high school, I had a problem saying it. Our Pledge of Allegiance, one people yeah. united in love and service. What service mm -hmm. are you talking about? Yes, I I take that as service under God, but what but they it's made not, it is it's not implied. God. Exactly. You know, you have to you have to specify that because here it yes. is, like you mentioned, everything we do is in service. We we're mm -hmm. in the service industry. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. Like there's no one who serves us. We serve everyone else. Yes. So that that word you just can't leave open. You can't leave that open ended. You got to be more specific. Mm -hmm. You know, because I it was a question I asked from I remember from high school I asked my teacher that like why do we why, why is the word service there? What do you mean by service? Yes. You know? And it could be But it's all part of our history. 
It could be misconstrued. You know? The thing is, of course, like you say, it could be okay, service under God. That's, that is fine. Yeah. You know, but but it could also mean one people in love and service with other persons. It could mean so many different yeah. things. It's open. That's true. You just can't. But like, like I that. say, God is my only confident authority. Let me tell you that. Which it should be. <laughs> Which yeah. it should be, man. This is awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. So, 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 so. <laughs> we went through a whole lot so far. And and um, this is the reason why I wanted to have this podcast, because a lot of people don't realize that. They look at you as just an artist or just a photographer or, or just mm-hmm. a painter. But we, we have lives. We have thoughts. We have expressions. Mm-hmm. We have feelings as well. And we take our time and we do these these art forms because it it's not just for them. Or it's just mm-hmm. not for living. It's just a part of what we need sometimes to yes. express ourselves. Um, yes. For me, there there was a problem where it came to the point where I, I my hobby, which I love, which is photography, I turned to a business. And then it took yes. so much away from me that I mm-hmm. started to hate photography. No, seriously. I really started to hate photography. Same thing. And, um, Same thing. I it's the the blog is still up on my website. I said I'm shutting it down. I said you know I need mm-hmm. some time away. I need otherwise I'm going to hate this thing, and I know it's going to take me to a place I don't want to go. So yes. I have to step away, and I I stepped away for I think it was about three months. I'm just like all right, that's it. People thought it's like oh man, pan auto photography give up. I say no no. When you reach that level, yes, where you're doing so much work for other yeah. people and you push in day in and day out, day in and day out. Yes. You can't see your family. You don't have time to do anything else with your friends, yes. nothing like that. It's like, no. And in, in fact, what really got to me, and I, I hate to really take over this part here because I don't want to tell no, my story. To me, this is how I felt that photography became an idol. So, yes. Because you was taking so much away from everything. I was paying so much attention to you. I didn't even have mm-hmm. time because I loved, I, I, trust me, anyone who know me and they even know uh, I always talking about specific things, just a bit different from what the church says. But yeah, I love to read the Bible. I love to read the books. Yes. I'm always realizing different things. So yes, it took away from that, right? And because it took that away from me, like you can't take my happiness away. I'm not gonna allow this yes. to take my happiness away, and I'm not gonna allow this to take me away from God. So exactly. I'm gonna find my way back. So I said, you know what? You have to go. That was a tough decision. Mm-hmm. But like you said, because of your health. Mm-hmm. family, um, mm-hmm. belief. I was taking mm-hmm. too much. I had to make the call and I just shut it all down. And I'm yes. just slowly moving back in. So I understand. I Trust me, I fully understand when you were talking about, because now here it is, um, your testimony. You're talking about the things you had to go through. And I didn't realize it was that attached to all these other things. I mm-hmm. just thought it was something that was going on in the background with you, but I didn't know it was that attached there, all the stuff like that. It's my whole life. It's like a whole See? construct. I can't, there's no portion about it that isn't the testimony. That's a lot. Every yeah. experience. I could sit here and write books. I'm actually <laughs> writing a book. I was I'm about to say, you should. Book. Yeah, you should. Yes. <laughs> but what a life though, you know? And what a journey of just being aware. Mm-hmm. And not saying I'm most aware or anything like that, but what I'm aware of, I need to share at least, you know, that's how I see it. Yeah, because you never know who is out there going through the same thing. Exactly, yes. And just by you talking about it, they realize I'm not alone in this. Yes. 
even the understanding of authoritative parenting, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying that my parents were like horrible people. They weren't. They loved me. Mm-hmm. But under the Caribbean construct or Latino construct, a lot of things, <laughs> especially I had a lot of uh, friends from different cultures all over the world growing up. I went to an international school, so I experienced other things. And I was like, wait, this ain't it. Right. <laughs> and it conflicted with me. So I, the more I've talked about it with other Bahamians or other people, the more I realize other people obviously go through the same stuff. It's something we all relate to. Yeah, It's, it's things that's been passed on from generation to generation because their daddy did that to them. Right. And you can do it. Like, I don't know. The cycles. And it's because of the result of history. So we can't ever forget that. We can't forget who our ancestors were. I can't forget who my grandfather was because that affected who my dad was, who affects I am. Right. It goes deeper than that, you know? But this is what happened when we lost our culture, when everything was stripped away. And that's why as Bahamians, I don't know if you've seen my art piece, Bahama Africa. No, I don't remember that one. So it's a geographical mosaic that I made out of the islands of the Bahamas, shaping the form of the map of Africa. Mm, okay. And I didn't change the island shapes. It just, I was able to make vectors and align them. Anyways, I did that. And I did it at the live event at um, Rumfest. So I think like 300 people came and participated in the live painting. And right. while we did it, I talked about African culture. I talked about, um, you know, how important it is for us to acknowledge, you know, where we come from, accepting that we're black, accepting how beautiful that is. It just it was at that point, you know, where people were even accepting their natural hair or just other constructs of just being who we are. Yeah. And then acknowledging why we are the way we are and acknowledging these are the things that we can change to be the people who we were destined to be so it's that process of realization and gaining confidence and strength i know the whole world is kind of going through the same process but the bahamas has a particular specific journey as well um because we were so bamboozled and brainwashed of what this life is you know this fast life ain't for us (laughs) you're right with that (laughs) <laughs> I would like to bring you on again for another conversation. Well, yeah. just this whole um, African Bahamian uh, transition is what I call it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I am, it's so weird because I'm learning so much more now to the point that I, I stopped calling my ancestors slaves. I call them that they were enslaved. Because saying that slave is like, you know, um, yes. like it was an intentional, but no, you were enslaved. This was, exactly. This so, was yes, that's actually a good word. You know, so, but I would love to have that conversation again. Um, to to make people aware, first of all, talk yeah. about history. Like I said, my grandmother from Gambia, grandfather from Adelaide, yes. and I got a lot of history from them. In fact, yes. um, one thing my grandmother pride us on growing us up, she was like, look here. we." She always said that we were not enslaved. I said, what you mean? She said, slavery was abolished while our ancestors was on the boat coming to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then from North Carolina, they brought us to the Bahamas when we landed at um the Wiley Plantation, they were free. Mm-hmm. They just just were not taking them back. So mm-hmm. they were one of the sets who who blended with the other persons, the freed slaves, I guess you want to call them, and yeah. they settled in Adelaide. Then my grandfather told me how they branched off in the other direction, and they went. And maybe that's crazy because maybe that's why those communities are still standing to this day. Yeah, because in other areas where they're actually like let's say in Exuma, you know, the Pompeii, like right. there were actual slaves who endured things and had to revolt or whatever. So the it's, it, Bahamas is, because we're in an archipelago, every neighborhood or community has their story or history. Yes. So 
even mapping that or acknowledging where you actually come from, most people don't even know where they Grammy from. I mean, I guess you do, but you're great Grammy or something like that. You know, (laughs) these things will teach you so much about yourself. Yeah. And you can gain so much value from even acknowledging those things. Um, even Junk Canoe, like if you if if you really love music, or you, and I'm sure all Bahamians can connect to Junk Canoe, but are you really connecting to Junk Canoe? Right. Like, are people actually connecting? And I know a lot of people are, but a lot of people aren't because it's such a competition, and that's all a part of what they did to take that away from us. Right. I think, you know, separation, even the party system. Anyway, tangent. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's the conversation. I think we need to have separately from this. Yeah, and, and that's a big one. Even the Junk Canoe, because I'm planning to have a few persons on the um this this conversation about junk yeah. because I there are some things that came up during my research that I just need clarified mm-hmm. about it. Um mm-hmm. about the so like you mentioned the whole competition thing, like you just really taken away from the essence of what junk really yes. is and what it's for. You know, so it's quite interesting. But yeah. um to bring it back home now. So what's your mm-hmm. plans now for the art, for your photography and your painting and your spare fishing? What's your what's your future plans? So my goal is to revolve my lifestyle around my career okay. or my career around my lifestyle i'd say okay. better yeah so now let's say i don't know i hate tiktok but i thought this is my concept i'm gonna go into the system to pull people out mm-hmm. so i just started tiktok and i'm showing people island life stuff i'm showing them my spiro adventures and i'm gonna eventually like be promoting the message that you know guys this is a life that you can live or this is an adventure you can have or you know Go live your life. Take right. risks. Do things. Do things. Experience moments that are genuine and priceless. This is this is yours. This is this is your kingdom. You know. So anyway, that and I guess again, let my life be my test. Your testimony. Mm-hmm. I just want people to, and that's how I had to heal myself too. I can't not be an example to other people. You know, if I have such a strong message, I have to actually change and be this person where people can look at me and see um so anyway all i'll to say is that i'm structuring my life around these things so even with my photography i'm going to be doing more like content for uh bahamians island life content um as you can know already like my work already revolves so much around island life yeah you know, i haven't strayed too far but i'm going to really make it a prominent thing even with my artwork again it's all island life mostly and um i'm gonna just push in every realm of creation that I know to tell my testimony and share my creation process and also be an activist at the same time. Mm. I'm playing games now. Like, <laughs> you know, it's a purpose. Like I say, cultural revolution. And I know there's a bunch of warriors in this country as well, too. It's about connecting everyone. So I'm going to go the art connection route. And hopefully I can inspire others to inspire others. And hopefully then we'll all be inspired. And I know I will meet people along the way who I've already met people along the way who have the same journey that God aligned them to. Same thing. Awesome. So if someone wants, all right, just give me some numbers so people could contact you either for your photography or or any your paintings if they want to purchase them or if they need you to go. Yeah. So um, I have, I guess, my social media where I have like my portfolios. So if you go on Instagram, you can find me at Sophia Taylor Art. I have a catalog of all my art pieces that are currently for sale. You can, um, you know, DM me or, or purchase some stuff off of that online shop. And then I guess my 
cell number. Is that a thing? Yep. I could say it if you you could say it. Or my email, um, Sophia Taylor Arts at gmail.com. You can email me. I can send you a catalog of my work. Um my photography page on Instagram is Sophia Taylor Photo. Um I also have a spear fishing page, Spiro Girl242, where I sh- share some of my adventures out at sea. And um, my personal page, oh my gosh, this is a lot. But anyway, personal page, Sophie Cakes XO, um, where you can literally see my life testimony. Like, I'm not lying. If you go to my timeline, I've been posting since 2008. Right. And you can literally scroll up my feed, and I don't delete stuff, but you can see my testimony. I'm not lying. Of my, like, you can, like almost my photos of my life. Right. Let's cause this cultural revolution. Let's get it started. Yes, something like that. And let me tell you, I want to start only real quick, right? Because something funny or something, well, funny, because I found it very disrespectful at the end, right? I, I don't know if you know, but I love to go to the sacred space on, on Clifton Pier. Okay, um, okay. And Tony Roberts created the statues yeah, to represent yeah. the slaves that were brought in and just our heritage. It's mm-hmm. facing Africa, and it's also facing the tongue of the ocean. So that's also the same place where my father um learn how to fish with his father and my grandfather also learned how to fish with his father so that's a very special place in Nassau for me okay. besides the cultural relevance so anyway i go there the other day and i see somebody graffitied um not graffitied but they left a message to somebody they were supposed to meet up to saying hey sorry i couldn't meet you back but literally in huge letterings over the balcony where it's a sacred space in a national park yeah. they decided to just graffiti the floor and I was like, that's unacceptable to me. So I want to do a project where we revamp the space. I want to really get that. Because I don't know if it's done in spray paint or something. I'll show you a picture. But I was like, how? And it it seemed like it was a foreigner who did it. Because mm-hmm. the name was Tiffany. I, I'm not being, but I don't know if that was bad to say. But anyway, that's just my perception. Because um, any, like... People don't understand how that space is actually sacred, like, in my opinion. And I know a lot of people go there for that same, like, if you go there, you feel an energy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's deep. Because you're literally looking off of a cliff, the highest point in Nassau, off of the tongue of the ocean, where it drops thousands of, of feet. That's a special place. You know? Anyway. This, this, that boils down to education. People just don't know. Yes. So, so I want to create a space, and I know Antonius Roberts had this dream with the statues that he put there. Yeah. But I really want to make a space where people can go and get culture, like real understanding of the same topic that we're talking about. It's a perfect place to share the message where you could go on the weekend and go out there and experience a whole like little afternoon picnic. I don't know something that involves community. I've even started a thing where it's church out there. A couple of friends, we go out there and, and sit off of the cliff and watch the sunset and play and play um praise music. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful watching the sunset off of a cliff. Let me ask this question. But, do do yes. do the fireflies still come out in that area? Yes, they do. I was telling someone that's the only place I found on this island that fireflies still exist. And they don't yeah. believe me. I've not seen it anywhere else on the island. Only, wow. only out there. Because I used to yeah, go the there what? to shoot the, the Milky Way, because that's a few places that's most dark ah. on the entire island as well. So yeah. he's like surrounded by fireflies. So like, I haven't seen yes. these in decades. Yes. That is a very, very sacred place. Very beautiful yes. place. And there's like a pirate staircase. Yes. Um, there's history there. You know, Even a lot like- of people, a lot of people don't know, um, again, 
from what I understand about that area, because I try to find about history, but whole Clifton Pear and um, mm-hmm. the Wiley Plantation, that staircase that's carved into the rock, they actually brought slaves there yes. illegally. And people don't know that. I'm like, you, let you me can't. tell you, and I feel it. Exactly. You could feel that people were brought in shackles. I like it, 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 it. Like, again, I sat and that's the spot I sat outside for most of the days that I could. There's a specific rock mm-hmm. that I sit and look out and it's it's and i've been reflecting about like this year somehow i went on a process of ancestors and and my heritage and i was really thinking on that and really thinking about pathways and really thinking about what it means look at me i'm free if i'm if i if i can acknowledge i am free because that's what i was at sea free and i acknowledge my history you know my grandfather used to be a butler for the prince of of prince george mm-hmm. So he was in a room with Winston, Winston Churchill as a butler. As a, like, you know, that's what is destiny? Hmm. That's so yeah, it, it's it, it, like, it's just a story of a girl who it's like literally Moana. I'm not even gonna <laughs> 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 like almost to the pin of it. But awesome. yeah. But I think that project would be awesome because I think, yeah, people need to, to know more about the, the area, yes. respect the area a whole lot more. You know, and yes. um, just just understand, man, why why is it so important? Even go into the Clifton Heritage Park, walk through that area, see the, the, yes. the old homes that they have. Like, the slave houses yeah. and stuff. You know, that's how, literally, that's that's we. I ain't going to say that's how they, that's how we lived. Because that's yes. who we were. That's where we came from, you know. You, exactly. You that go. And I was one of the people and now who was fighting for that. Museum. Sorry? Sorry, I just find it, like, the park issue is something as well, because... You know, they charge Bahamians to go there mm-hmm. and they charge, like, it's become this big spectacle of, like, oh, foreigners come. Oh, look, this is where the huts were. Like, I don't know. Instead of being a place of healing, a place of where our That's people come and, I... and our people experience and our people acknowledge. And then you were then able to put your life in a perspective of, yeah, my life is bad, but listen, my granny, granny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like, you know? <laughs> exactly. Think of it when when you were born versus when they were born. The things that they yes. had to go through, and they my they grandfather couldn't look uh, like in the face or have certain like he was a servant, right? And I I, I was told by my grandmother that my great 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 grandmother was a princess of a tribe in Africa, right? So I'm like we people are royalty, and we don't even know. Don't even know it exactly. You come from a different bloodline. People don't know it. They don't nope. know it. Oh man, we have so much to talk. But anyway, I don't because that's the topic. That I don't want to. I don't yes. want to spoil that topic. I want yes, us to come yes, back yes, to that yes. topic. Um, but we got your information. We got all. We can contact you for your artwork or to hire you to do some photography work. We now yes. hopefully persons have a better perspective of who you are, what it takes to do these things, and the sacrifice yes. that photographers do. So again, I want to thank you so much for coming on this this episode. <laughs> you know, of so course, much. my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's so awesome. Um, I love the combo. Um, good, good, good. And I good. hope that you guys like continue to see that I'm genuine, and I'm, I really want people to see that there's truth into what I, um, the lifestyle of being close to the sea. Yes. And just being a community based, and this, I mean, it's everyone's going along these thoughts. Right. But um, action time. <laughs> Let's talk more action. Yes. All right, so on that note, I'll end this conversation. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Focus on Art with our guest, 
Sophia Taylor, an amazing artist right here in the Bahamas. I'd like to thank you for uh, telling your entire story, um, your life story, that is, and being able to share what you've been going through through your life as an artist because so many times we believe that it's all good fun and games when it's technically not and we do as artists go through things in our lives so once again just want to mention that uh, this podcast is sponsored by bahamas candle and soap uh they are there for all your candle and soap supplies for you artists that make candles and soaps it's quite obvious check out their website www.bahamascandleandsoap.com